The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo! Yeah. <laughs> How about that? It's time for another edition of the Hey! It's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Part of the Rotofanatic Podcast Network. This is episode 47. The Jack Morris edition. On today's show, we have an outstanding guest. The one, the only, Manly Van Lee from the Nasty Cast and the Launch Angle Pod. Van's going to bring it like he's never brung it before. He'll be breaking down ADP. He'll share his insight on his own personal fantasy advice to you, plus a host of other silliness that you won't believe. Take it away, boys! Welcome into the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo, Fantasy Baseball Podcast. You are listening live to episode 47. We are thrilled to have you aboard. It's the uh, Jack Morris edition or the Tom Glavin edition. Uh, whatever your favorite 47 is, throw that number on this episode. We got a great guest today. Me and Deary are here live. Deary's back with us. Deary, how are you feeling tonight? I'm feeling great. Ready for great baseball conversation. We had a little action today, so I'm ready to dive deep into that as well. We got action, folks. That's right. Palazzo Podcast on Twitter, two L's, two Z's. Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between, I would like to welcome the one, the only, the manly Van Lee from the Launch Angle, the Nasty Cats pod. Anything else? Am I missing anything else, Van? That'll do. I think that'll cover it. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me. I'm happy to be here. Most of the people, if you've been in the fantasy baseball sphere of podcasts, at least know what my name is and know to avoid me at all costs possible. <laughs> uh, that's funny that's good every, every week it's just self-deprecating guests i love it it's great absolutely we yeah. we know our place we've humbled <laughs> ourselves by being in this industry that is correct that's right so van's going to talk with us about a slew of things we got some signings today to talk about we're recording on a friday night live eight o'clock 15 after on the East Coast at this time. So we got some signings with DJ LeMayhew, Corey Kluber. We'll talk about the Hendricks signing, and uh, we will get into some goofy, dumb stuff with 
Enrico's Inquisition. We'll ask Van. You know, we'll see what Van's really about. What is going on? The man beyond the baseball. And we'll do a fantasy breakdown, take a look at some ADP thoughts and a segment where Deary will give each of us a scenario with two players with vastly different ADPs, similar stats. It's going to be a good one. Looking forward to that. And uh, we'll get Van's thoughts on his overall fantasy process, and then we'll get the hell out of here. Of course, we'll share your emails and tweets at the end of the show. And you can do that, like I said, Plazo Podcast, two L's, two Z's at ProtonMail.com. Uh, I would real quick like to give a shout out to uh, Zach at uh, Draft Champions Podcast. He's currently running the uh, Battle of the Podcast Season 2 that he puts together. It's basically so he can like connect with all these people who wouldn't do a league unless he kind of forced them into doing one. So I'm really glad that he allowed the Palazzo Podcast to be a part of that. Thank you, Zach. We appreciate that. Um, Van, have you ever done a podcast league with other podcasts head-to-head? Oh, yeah. I've done a couple of podcast leagues in the past. Traditionally, they get started with great intentions, and then four people really take it seriously. The other eight disappear. And then the top four guys have a blast doing it. That, that's just traditionally how they go. <laughs> oh, that sounds like so much fun. Right now, we're in the draft process, so hopes are high. And Is it a slow draft? Palpable. Yeah, it's a two-hour uh, two slow draft. Those are fun. I enjoy those. Yeah. You know, I never did a slow draft before last year. It was truly my first slow draft. I, it wasn't a me and Deary, we didn't grow up with that. It wasn't the thing you did, right? No, it was a completely foreign to me until last year. Like, yeah, I'm in this like slow draft. Uh, I picked and I think my next pick might be tomorrow. I don't know. People are taking the whole time. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about slow draft? But it sounds like something that I'd be interested in getting in. Well, uh, can I tell you how, they, how, they, the how it goes? With slow drafts, I'll tell you exactly how it goes. You, you do your first one, and it is the most awesome thing in the world. You built your team. You love it. And you think, all right, I'm going to do 10 more of these things. By the third time you do one, you either understand that you are not a slow drafter or that you live for this. I have learned that even though I enjoy it, I can't do it because I can't put a team together. I, I can't. I don't have the time to be available once every 12 hours as it goes around. It's just weird. So I've decided I would rather sit down and do a three-hour draft. So I'm past it. I enjoy slow drafts. The two-hour clocks are fun. The 12, the 24-hour clocks, they they get a bit a bit too much. Huh. So you want to have that like instant gratification. Like, let's get it done now. Let's blow this out. One and a half minutes per pick. Let's go. Not even necessarily gratification. It's uh, being able to focus and put all my attention on it. At at for an extended period of time means that I'm enveloped completely <laughs> in the team. I know every aspect of it. Whereas if I need to make a pick, and then I decide, okay, well, maybe next time it comes around, I'm going to look at this position. This I, I do all my analysis. Twelve hours later, it's my time to pick. Oh, geez, I need to go ahead and pick. People are complaining now. I need to get back. It's just I get out of <laughs> out of the cycle. Jeff Zimmerman on the Launch Angle podcast is the same way. Jeff's a thousand times smarter than I am at better. I am at this, but he says he just can't do it over a long, like you know, three week period. And I just won't do them anymore. I think they're fun. I think they're so much fun, and I love doing them with my friends. But I, I think I'm just I'm at the point where I'm so old and cranky. I don't do the things that I don't find perfectly fun to do anymore. And mm. since that's not a hundred out of a hundred, I won't do them anymore. I appreciate that. You're not going to just, you know, give your time and energy to something you're half heartedly connected to. I can see that you need, that's right. you need to be able to, in your old, old age, 
And that's why I'm here, because I'm so devoted to you guys that I said, you know what, I'm not going to half-ass my way into this. I'm going to get right into this podcast with these guys, give them the best information I can, and see what happens. Well, we do appreciate you uh, supporting the show. You know, you've retweeted us and had people to recommend, review us, and rate us last month. It was very nice of you to do that. So thank you, Van. We appreciate that. I don't know how we can pay you back. Uh, we will, we'll, we'll retweet. We'll, we'll do whatever we can do, whatever we can do for the launch angle or the Nasty Cast, which is a show I've been on once. The Nasty Cast was a lot of fun, and I just like to say for the record, I smoked it on the Slash Line Showdown. That was a it was a nice flag. turn for me. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, you did. You did very well. And I will say your lawyers, after they met with my lawyers and we got all the money worked out and all yeah. the, the prizes and perks, because, you know, like like Van Halen had the Eminem thing in the backstage. <laughs> I have several requests. Your lawyer met all of them. So I'm good. So I've, I've got that yacht, which I've, of course, named Lee, uh, Van Lee Jr. Oh, uh, so we've cute too. That, that really cool hat you guys found. It doesn't take a whole lot to uh, to appease me. I just yeah, like we, cool hats. Yeah. We found, we found that one at the Renaissance Festival. It was not easy. <laughs> not easy, but we did it. All right, so, hey, we got Van here. Uh, Van, uh, how's your new year, by the way? You know, before we get into all this, how are you feeling? You feel all right? Uh, I know, I don't think it's a secret, right, that uh, you weren't feeling so well back in December, but you pulled through and you're back on top. I don't know about on top, but I have climbed my way to stable ground. We'll put it that way. Yes, I had COVID. I got uh, tagged with it a couple, I guess it's a few months ago now. Oh, and yeah. it, it's it's the real deal. Take it seriously, folks. Of course, we've got the um, vaccines on the way. So hopefully it won't be too much of an issue for long. Still tired. I'm always tired, but I've always been tired. It just feels worse now. Other yeah. than that, I'm fine. My stomach's not upset. I didn't lose my taste like a lot of people did, which is great because I love to taste things. That's just a great experience. So I'm fortunate in that regard. You know, Michael Hutchins couldn't live with the fact that he couldn't taste or smell anymore. It was awful. It really was just like it, it ruined his life. It was yeah. really kind of sad. But that also makes me think of the uh, Wayne's World quote. Uh, one time I thought I had mono for a year, but it turns out I was just really bored. So I can understand <laughs> that. I can understand that, too. All right. So Van's here. We're going to talk turkey, uh, chicken, maybe. I don't know. If you're not a meat eater, Van, we can go vegan on this. We can talk green beans. Uh, but to be honest, I'm prepared to talk a casserole that's full of every meat <laughs> and vegetable that you can come across. I don't do fruit. Let's skip the fruit. But other than that, that's fine. <gasps> wow. I no just fun. don't like fruit. I'm not a fruit person. It's too sticky. It's too sticky and it's a textural thing. Like most fruits, I like the flavor. But as soon as I start to chew it, I go, mm, okay, I'm, I'm mad on this. Well, you guys are, what? Yeah. I love a good plum. I like a crispy fruit. No too. one like has ever said plum. that. No I one think- has ever said, oh, a plum. I'm that's that's peak of the fruit hierarchy it no is. one no I'm, one uh-huh. i'm not kidding i i do not protest i love plums but they got to be in season and they got to be crispy very crispy okay. and i like the lighter red ones too not the dark ones so this is and, like uh, oh no my favorite candy bar is a fig newton <laughs> no it isn't come on <laughs> oh i do like fig newtons too by the way i do uh, i right. like nutri-grain bars but same thing anyway oh good lord we're learning way too much all right well how about we get into leading off okay uh by the way man do you know what that's from no but it makes me think of that uh, old nes baseball game which this very well might be but it was the one where the the japanese creator had to anglicize the names uh, uh oh, Doug you're, you're, was you're one close. of my favorite ones you're very close which one was it which game was it? RBI Baseball 3, is that, that correct? That was RBI. Okay, okay. 
Okay. That is the uh that's like one of the in between inning breaks songs, you know. That's they shows one. you the scoreboard. Not bad, not bad. I like it. There's also uh, you know, charge, you know, but I like that one. It just gets a little more peppy, upbeat. Anyway, baseball stars though. Baseball stars are great game baseball is that the one with the names is that the yep. the with the okay i'm pretty those sure names yeah. are amazing you every could customize one. everything on that game yeah oh really baseball nice baseball stars was it had the battery which you could save everything too you know mm-hmm. you had to press reset and power at the same time and that is i used to think it was a crappy game because it didn't have mlb players on it but my friend showed me the true nature of the customization and you could create a league with your friends and oh yeah it was a lot of fun baseball stars fantastic nes baseball game but we're not here to talk about that we're here to talk about Hot stoves. Yeah, I need a, I need like a frying pan sound effect. That's what I need, dearie. Uh, we got some news on the hot stove, and tonight, you know, I'm getting home. I'm just catching up. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna front on this. DJ LeMay, who has signed with the Yankees, uh, five years, eighty-five, ninety million. Is that what we're hearing, everybody? Um, six years, ninety million. Six years, ninety million. Hmm. Van, what do you think make of this from a fantasy perspective? Be, you think this is going to be one of those? It's not an eight or 10 year deal. It's only six, but he's in his early 30s. Um, will they regret this towards the end? I don't think he'll regret it towards the end. He gets his payday. So I think he's happy with that. What's fascinating to me is that it's a, a much lower average annual value than I would have guessed, particularly for a guy who has just ripped the cover off the ball the last few years now. I think that dollar amount is a culmination of things being the pandemic and the way MLB teams present themselves as the victim. But also, I don't think people really believe in DJ LeMahieu yet, and I don't get it. I, he just keeps doing it. I, I guess I do understand it in the sense that it's this isn't this is a player we had for years that couldn't do the things that he does, and now he does them. But he's done it for so long now for these last three years that I fully believe he's worth every penny and more then he gets out of this deal. So I don't necessarily think he'll regret it, but I do get what you're getting at in saying it's, he's going to be 38 by the time this is over. So maybe he's not providing the value to the Yankees that uh, you would expect out of a guy you're going to give a six year deal to. But for the first three to four years, this, I think it's going to be a great deal for the Yankees and they can certainly afford it. Hmm. What do you think, Deary? I mean, DJ, the Mayhew, he, he didn't change his profile too much. He was a good hitter at cores with the Rockies. He comes to Yankee stadium though. He got a shorter port so he can hit a little bit more power, uh, which I think really just added to his MVP discussion from 2019. What's your take at this point? Are, are, would you take him as the first uh, second baseman? Yeah, he's definitely in the mix for me. Uh, you know, going back to 2015, I, I had him on my squad back then. And, you know, basically every year since, his last year with the Rockies in 18, he batted over 300. Um, I was really confused about the kind of waffling back and forth on whether he was going to sign somewhere else. I thought for sure the best spot for him is the Yankees. It's going to be the best value for him. He's going to have a chance to win a championship. And he's one of those guys that just passes the eye test for me. Um, sure, he his his hard hit rate is going to be low. His barrel percentage is going to be real low. But he is one of the best Z contacts in the league. Rarely, rarely strikes out. His swinging strike rate is just epically low and i think he's just gonna you know pile on after what he did last year and 2018 as well and you could be seeing 20 home runs you know close to 100 runs i'll be interested to see you know kind of where they slot him you know around in the field he'll probably get some action at first base some second base but i I think it's a great deal from the yankees and for their fantasy perspective i think he's one of uh your top you know second baseman off the board man i 
I just seem to avoid DJ in all the leagues I'm in, but maybe I am a fool. You guys seem to be hot, hot for teacher when it comes to DJ, and DJ deserves our respect, right, man? Well, here's what I'll say to, to I see you waffling a bit about this. What I'll say to that is if we look <laughs> at the top of the second base list as far as ADP goes, I just pulled up the last month on NFBC. Uh, it's Albies, LeMahieu are pretty much neck and neck. They're right there, pick 33, 34. Then it's Whitmerfield, Kevin Biggio, Brandon Lau, et cetera, or Lowe. I always forget which is which. Uh, <laughs> wow. Anyway, the point being, I don't like the top of the second base this year. I don't, I don't really like the position at all this year, but it's – Upon first glance, I'm probably not taking any of these guys at this spot. There's, I could find enough flaws with each of them, and I'm already too worried about pitchers because of the, with the year we're coming into. So I don't know that I would draft any of them here, but what I can say is I do get it with the ADP, and I get people taking their – that said, I may not have a single share of any of them across the board, and that's DJ or Ozzy Albies, of course, who's – that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> yeah, there was a big hobbaloo on Twitter this week. <laughs> uh, our recent guest, Matty Davis, had – Talked about Maddie, Al- uh, Maddie Albies. I wonder, there probably is a person named, there was Matt Albers. Wasn't that really? <laughs> yeah, there was a Matt Albers. Yeah. yeah, Matt Albers. That's what I was thinking of. But Maddie Davis uh, posted his article after we briefly discussed Albies on the last show, and there was some hot talk about it. Uh, you know, taking him too high and that he, you're not going to get the return value on Albies. And I admit uh, it comes along at a time where some people might get value because he's been dropping in the two drafts I've started this week. They're the first drafts of my official 2021 drafting season. And Albies slips down and down. And LeMahieu, with this news now that he's locked in for sure with the Yankees, will probably continue to stay number one in second base. I don't, I don't really argue that point. But what I was surprised about is the fact that Corey Kluber signed so fast today after his showing midweek where a lot of the teams came out, including the Tigers. They even sent people out there to look at Mr. Kluber. Um, There wouldn't be a reason for him to sign with us uh, ever. But the Yankees, uh, I I don't know. You know, this is still a developing story. Is there a bidding war? I mean, he's getting at least 10 to 11 million bucks. So that shows me that maybe at least a couple teams were interested in the Yankees might have gone over uh, 7 million, 8 million for a guy that's really not shown us any health in the last two years. Uh, what do you think, Van? What's the story here with Kluber? Well, I think the story boils down to Kluber just decided where he wanted to go because I think with the exception of maybe five, six teams, any team could afford a Kluber. I, the last I saw was $10, $11 million for a one-year deal, something like that. And any team can afford that for a potential ace pitcher, and teams will pay more for less, essentially, because there is still upside to be found here. That said... As a fantasy owner, unless it's free, I don't want anything to do with Kluber because there are too many red flags. But as far as a baseball thing goes, everyone should have wanted Corey Kluber because pitching is so hard to find. One-year deal, $10, 11000000 you know, if, even if it doesn't pan out, it's, it's no deal. Who cares? But if it does pan out, you could have a potential game changer on your hands here. So I think from Kluber's Ooh. perspective, there were a lot of uh, bids and people talking to him, and he said – I just want to win, and so we picked the Yankees. I, I, I think that's really how it's going to boil down. Uh, if I were in his shoes, I would have signed with the Tigers if they were going to give me the money because <laughs> I could have had a year to – no one would watch me. I could do whatever I wanted. I could ease into it. The press is going to be nice to me. I would not have gone to the Yankees, but uh, I think he's a guy that wants to win, so I think that's why he chose this team, and he's in a pretty good place to do it now. Yes, he is. Corey Kluber is going to be – I don't know. I don't even know where you place this guy. Is it going to be like the fourth starter, the fifth starter? I mean, uh, Tanaka's 
probably not coming back. Maybe he will. I don't think he will. Uh, Paxton won't return. This rotation is going to look a lot different. I think there's going to be more younger guys on this staff too, which is actually a bonus for them if Kluber can bring that veteran experience. Yeah, I mean, you look at – I mean, this is a guy for six straight years. He was a really, really solid top-line starter in the league and is a fantasy guy. He was he was a top-ten fantasy pitcher, and obviously he's been injured these last two years. You know, left Cleveland and went to the Rangers, pitched one inning with the Rangers last year, and, uh, you know, super affordable for the Yankees. And, you know, what you, like what you said, Mike, Yankees don't really have much in terms of pitching. They're going to go with a lot of young guys like a Davey Garcia and, you know, some of these young – other uh, younger guys. So Kluber will bring that veteran presence, but I'm with Van on this one. I mean, I stay away from Kluber. Uh, I imagine there'll be somebody out there in in a league that's like, Oh, Corey Kluber. Yeah. He used to be a stud back in the day and someone will probably reach for him and uh, he'll either be easily droppable or easily tradable depending on how well he does. Yeah. Kluber and Paxton since January 1st on NFBC ADP uh, 262 and 269 for Paxton and Kluber. So they're pretty close right next to each other in terms of pitching rankings. Uh, Kluber's high is 211. I think that's pretty high to take Kluber depend even if it's league dependent. Not sure. I'm a fan of that. Uh, I don't know. Kluber is an old man and I need, I want to see it. I think there's a lot of other up-and-coming potential pitchers that you could take a risk on that are much, much more worthy of your time. Yeah, but I, mean, I, I, just, I just don't know how many innings you're going to get out of the guy, you know, coming back from shoulder issues. And he is 34 years old now, so. Yeah, it's true. It doesn't sound like fun. But you know what is fun? Uh, hey, it's a Rico Plaza Fantasy Baseball Podcast. That's what you're listening to. Two L's, two Z's on Twitter, Plaza Podcast. Give us a five-star rating if you want to. Only if you want to. On Apple Podcasts, we never force people into ratings or reviews, right, Van? I know I use violence. I threaten oh, uh, whatever oh, whatever tool yeah. you have at your disposal will make your life easier. So I say, God. use them. What are we doing here, dearie? God, we are amateur. It's amateur hour here. That's what it is. Uh, Brad, hand rumors swirling. Uh, as of this podcast, we don't officially know anything, so we'll kind of hold off on that uh, unless somebody has something they really want to say about Brad Hand. If he goes to the Mets, if he doesn't. Anybody? We'll, we'll see. If he goes to the Mets, then sure, maybe I'll have some thoughts on him. But that's a rumor. That's how I always feel about him. It's hard to talk about him until it, it comes to fruition. Now, audiences want to hear you talk about them because they, they like hearing these big names. There's nothing to say. So you have to balance that out. Thank you. Tip, tip for podcasters out there. That, that, I'm not yeah, trying to can. teach you guys either. I'm just saying out loud. Can you show us the way? We're idiots here. <laughs> We're, I mean, I disagree. I've been doing this for a year, and I don't even know my name. Who are we? Where are we? No, we're here with Van from the Launch Angle podcast and Nasty Cast. And I got to tell you, Van, the Liam Hendricks signing is exciting news for White Sox fans. But is it exciting news for fantasy owners? If you have Hendricks in a dynasty league, are you happy about this? Because they got a nice bullpen. They got a lot of parts in there that I like. And I know that he's being paid to be the ace and the closer and the stud. Um, I still would rather take Hayter over Hendricks, number one. What's your thoughts? Uh, I think I'd rather take Hendricks. That's not to say that I think Hendricks is a better pitcher. I think that's plenty debatable. What I think is that Hendricks has that job 100%, and it's an up-and-coming team that's going to do everything they can to win. Whereas with the Brewers, we've seen Hader be used in a different role. He's been used two innings in the past. They've brought him in uh, in, the, in the smart role where uh, maybe the middle of the order is coming up the seventh inning, so they bring him in. then a little less opportunity for saves. So I get it. If you want Hater first because 
the talent level is tremendous and you're definitely going to help your strikeouts there. But I do think Hendricks is the better relief pitcher for this season in a standard league simply because he is uh, a check mark down for plenty of saves and he's really good. He's going to give you a great ERA and, and strikeouts no matter what, even if there's a little bit of bounce back from what we've seen in the past. Wrong! Okay, sounds good. I agree with everything you just said. I think Hendricks will be a stud this year. Everybody should be drafting him right next to Hayter, who I like Hayter because he has that variety. If you're in a league that is doing, like, wins still, you know, wins still are still a thing in a lot of leagues, Hayter can still pick up some of those wins for you, and I, that's what I like about his ability. Uh, saves plus hold league, I take Hayter over Hendricks. But you're right. This would be league-dependent, Van. It, it would be a good debate depending on the situation. Well, here's here's the question I have before you jump into this in a sec. Uh, would you be drafting any of these guys at their spots? Are you guys okay taking relief pitchers at that, I think, like 50 overall spot? I think that's kind of where Hayter and uh, Hendricks are resting out. Are, are you okay taking that on your team, or you, would you prefer to wait for a reliever? That's a great question. Or <laughs> a weird way to phrase that. Would you prefer to wait for a cheaper reliever that you think could give you value? I mean, I think well, a lot of it depends on what type of league you're playing in. If you are getting, you know, let's say a caper nine or a K percentage, you know, saves plus holds, like Mike said, um, you know, I'm kicking relief pitching further down the road uh, just because it can be so volatile. And you can find guys middle of the season that can end up being your your closer to, to lock it down. Uh, I, I like to complete the rest of my team first. Um, and if I am going early relief pitching, I'll go for two studs back to back and then just worry about it later and hope they, they don't die <laughs> i can give you a direct example right here van my very first draft this week earlier it's the uh kc by the way uh bubba is doing a bunch of analyst best ball leagues that he's running they're like 10 bucks a pop and he's got a bunch of different analysts in all these different leagues and uh, i was involved in league number five which is still currently drafting by the way and i took hater in the eighth round this is a best ball 12 team league points league obviously so I thought I wouldn't pay it where you're 50, 60, even 70, but I was willing to pay it in the 80s. That's where I was willing to take a chance on Hater. If Hater's in the 80s, I think you've had seven, uh, not 79, but you've had quite a few bad picks for a bit before that because <laughs> I, I think I, I get what you're saying too about pit relief pitchers being volatile. Starting pitching is going to be more volatile than ever in history this year, uh-huh. ever, because of what happened last year and the way pitching has evolved. So I've kind of started jumping on the relief pitcher bandwagon in that if you've got a guy that you know and quote-unquote know because relief pitching is volatile, but you know Josh Hader has put up four straight years of doing this awesome stuff, okay, he's probably going to be worth it because you're going to get those innings, whereas it's a, a little bit more of a question mark with the, the starting pitchers before you go into that. So – I am okay taking relief pitchers in the 50s, 60s to the extent, if not for the reason that five years ago, the first reliever was going in the 30s and we'd have two or three relievers before pick 50. So I think the the community has come down on relief pitching to the point that I'm totally fine with it where it is. And I'll probably end up with one of these top guys on, on a lot of teams this year. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I ended up taking Karinchak three picks later in the in the teens, hundred and teens. So, yeah, I am with you. And those are guys that I think will be used in a used a lot. I think they will rely on Hader, regardless of his role rotates around a bit. It'll give me enough of the stats that I still need. And in best ball, you're looking for big weeks. So 
that's fine with me in best ball. But oh, yeah, I mean that's that's a great strategy strategy to piggyback on two guys that are going to throw a ton of innings because they they have several different roles. You know, you can get a save, you can get a hold, they can go two innings. Um, so that's a great strategy uh, on Karinchak and Hater. Yeah, I like it. I'm happy with it. So there it is. We're breaking down the hot stove news here. That's the all the news that's fit to print at this time. If you have any thoughts about the hot stove league, email the show, Palazzo Podcast. Uh, you can DM us on Twitter, Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. And, of course, you could send us an old snail mail at 9525 Wayne Road, Unit G, Livonia, Michigan, 48150. Let's see if somebody actually does that. It's the first time we've ever announced an address on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Pony Express? Yeah, why not? Let's see if somebody sends me a, a fantasy question in written form. I that would that would blow my mind. Seriously. Well, would. I did just mail the winner of the 2020 Nasty Cast uh, podcast league that we play with all of our fans. I mailed him his uh package, his winner's package just recently and did a discussion of it on the recent show and where I sent him a it was a bobblehead a ball, an autograph ball, and a pair of game used socks. Ask me who's, <laughs> who used them and in what game. Me uh, in a softball game for like, <laughs> I don't know, like six or seven years straight. I had these socks for a long time. Did, yeah, you, I was gonna say. did you sign the ball as well, Van? Yeah, of course. Of course I signed it. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> I, used to, I used to mail autograph pictures of myself. But the problem is, is my Twitter handle is at Manly Van Lee. So people think I'm as vain as can be already. They see that name and, and you paint a picture in your mind of what that person's going to be like. I'm not that I am. I, I like the name Manly Van Lee because it rhymes. That's the only reason I did it. So uh, yeah, anyway, I'm not that vain, but it's fun to do things like that and pretend you are. You're not a hard ass. I am a hard ass. I, I will say I am that. Yes. Oh, okay. So you are a hard ass. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I figured that was the whole reason the manly thing, you know, you like to walk around with your shirt off and ride horses and walk through the woods. You know, my very manly long hair and my, yeah. my bun or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I'm just an old hippie. I'm an old softy hippie, but oh. uh, as long as you leave me alone for the most part, I'm okay with, with you, not you, but you as a whole. Okay. You, do, you kind of look, you know, your profile picture on Twitter kind of looks like a friend of ours to me. And I'm yet to show him. I, I got to show him that pic because it just reminds me of him maybe in his 20s. So if anything, that's good news for you that you look younger. And that was me in my 20s. So, yeah, that, that oh. uh, I, I hope does look younger. No, I, that picture I took with my cat in 2007. And in 2017, I took the exact same picture with the exact same cat. So uh, there was a, t- a 10 year period of and she's still hanging around here. She's like 16 years old. Uh, but yeah, no, that, that was my old picture. So I was much younger there, but I didn't have any of the, this hair. So it was, uh, a, a, a little bit of a different looking person. Hmm. Yeah. Hair will do that to you. Right, dearie. Uh, yeah, I don't have the option to grow it anymore. So, uh, it's hats or beanies for me. Well, I mean, that's not true. You could grow the remains. <laughs> no. It would look like a non-sprinkled lawn. <laughs> Okay, well, having said that, let's switch gears. It's time, Van. Are you ready? It's time for Enrico's Inquisition. You think you can handle it? No one expects Enrico's Inquisition, but except for me. I'm the only one. So, yes, I expect it. I'm ready. Oh, he's prepared. Damn it. All right, well, let's roll the tape. <laughs> Bryce Harper or Lenny Dykstra? Bryce Harper. Oceans or lakes? Which do you prefer? Lakes. Oceans terrify me. Scott Boris or Rob Manfred? I could do without hearing Scott Boris a lot of time on Twitter. Van Halen or Van Hagar? Oh, <laughs> Van Halen. Not Ooh. a contest. 
Get ready for some doozies, because it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show, Enrico's Inquisition. <laughs> Van is a funny dude. He's got a great sense of humor. And I know, I know that you're going to bring your A-game during Enrico's Inquisition. Am I wrong or am I right? I mean, let's bank on B game, but if A game shows up, we'll talk about how great the team did at the end of the episode. We'll say, you know, it was, it was a team effort. Uh, no, everybody's no, no, playing no, no, to win. No, 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 you're on your own here, buddy. <laughs> okay. Nobody's going to be taking down the ship with you. It's you. You are the captain of master and commander, far side of the world. You're on your own. Was that scary? What was that movie, Master and Commander? Was that a reference to that? But wasn't that like a horrible 90s movie with like Kevin Costner? I'm thinking of Waterworld. Yeah, Waterworld's terrible. That was the Kevin Costner awfulness, yes. But there was a Master and Commander something or other. There was. Master and Commander is actually a decent movie with Russell Crowe. No, no no one said. He's like, oh, plums are the best. Here's Master and Commander, (laughs) my favorite film. Oh, let's sit and eat a bowl of plums together. I, uh, it's a Peter Weir movie. He's a pretty legit director, you know. Did Truman Show and some other films. It's about the 1800s and white people on boats. So I don't know. It's not that great, but it does exist. I think it's better than Waterworld. I will say that. Anywho, Van, let's dive into it. Uh, you go the prequels or the latest trilogy? Prequels, hundred percent, no question. Yes. Wow. That is- that's not to say. I'm one of these, the last Jedi it was the worst movie he's ever made. I, I, don't, I don't care about that. I didn't necessarily like them, but they were not made for me. They were made for new Star Wars fans because they just butchered the original tr- trilogy characters. Whereas the prequels were made with love. I'll give them that. There are flaws galore. But once you delve into the lore, and I this is probably more so than fantasy baseball, but this is my other nerd thing is Star Wars. But once you dive into the lore of the prequels, you learn about Count Dooku and, and his role in the Separatists versus the Grand Republic, Galactic Republic. Once you learn about General Grievous and how he was a, a warlord who was injured and turned to this cyborg and trained by Dooku. Once you learn all this stuff, it starts to kind of tie everything together. And we're seeing a lot of it now in The Mandalorian with uh, certain characters making appearances. I'll leave it at that in case you haven't seen it. But uh, the guy who created a lot of the older cartoons, Clone Wars, Rebels, Dave Filoni, has a big hand in The Mandalorian, and he's doing awesome stuff. Now, I could point to flaws in that, but if you think of it as just a happy-go-lucky, fun, great, amazing show, that's exactly what it is. It's just not high art. (laughs) Well, I got to tell you, that's the bottom line. Deary, did you finally get a chance to watch The Mandalorian yet? We're five episodes in. We watched four in one night the other night. We watched one last night, and I'm sure we'll watch at least two more tonight. That's season two, right? Season two, yeah. We, I mean, we watched season one right when it came out, and obviously I've talked about the last probably three shows I've been on and why uh, we've kind of waited forever on uh, season two, but I love it so far. Season two is great, and it uh, there are three moments which are phenomenal, and they top one another as they come. And I'm not going to list those. I don't want to spoil oh, it, but there are oh. three moments that if you look back on this, you'll go, oh, well, that was badass. Oh, wow, that was even more badass. Oh, wow, that's the most badass thing that I could have <laughs> imagined. It goes like that, exactly. It's a hell of a show. We did talk about it on the show with Chris Towers, and uh, it does come up often. It probably will come up again because people love Star Wars, and The Mandalorian has reasserted hope in the galaxy for future star Wars ventures to be good. So that's good news for us as people who like to absorb that type of content. 
Do you know DJ Jazzy Jeff or the Fresh Prince? Fresh Prince. Fresh Prince? Fresh Prince? Well, I can't Those speak. guys. <laughs> Fresh Prince of Bel Air or a DJ Jazzy Jeff? I will say I probably know more Will Smith songs and, in fact, can sing Getting Jiggy With It or Miami at any given <laughs> moment. So I guess I'm going to go with the Fresh Prince, although I think there's a more cultural, maybe not love, but there's less cynicism involved with DJ Dazzy Jeff. I, th- I think there, anytime your success gets so high, your haters also rise, and I think that's what happened with uh, Will Smith. So, But I'll go with him. Yeah, that's too bad, man, because this song is just, I mean, it jams. Who when I was in high school, I created a dance move called the White Tornado, and it was done through this song. As you can tell, White Tornado fits. <laughs> that's good. That's probably, let's see, this is why we do this segment for tidbits like that. That's a, uh, just, this, I mean, this song, check this out. Check this groove out. Yeah. Gotta get jiggy no, with that. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Now, honey, honey, come, Lod, TKNY. I can keep going, <laughs> but I'll stop. Is that the song with the floor seats with the Lakers? Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just want to make sure. No cursing uh, in those songs, though. See no, me in the no. yard line, something haters, got floor seats. Yeah. And it keeps going. Yeah, uh, that's where he also says he'd rather ball with Shatner instead of <laughs> would be mean to someone. So Will Smith's what? like, I would love to have a basketball game with William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> What the hell does that mean? That, uh, You're living well, in the Willinium, so I mean, you just have to get oh, used to that right, sort of thing. Right, right. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Damn it. Wrong! Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, geez. I can't believe we got as much out of that one as we did. Bowling <laughs> or going to the dentist? Oh, boy. Uh, bowling. But with a caveat, there's an asterisk here. This is a Roger Maris asterisk. Okay. Uh, do either of you have any perfect games? In bowling? Uh, on the Wii, I did, but not in real life. I, I have I rolled over a 200 once or twice. I have oh. maybe eight. I have oh. a lot. Uh, I wow. grew up in bowling alleys. My first job was in a bowling alley. I hate bowling alleys <laughs> because <laughs> I've been in them so much. But bowling with friends, like if I went and had a beer with you guys, that'd be a blast. I would have so much fun. League bowling, no thanks. It's uh, maybe it's been glorified by the Big Lebowski, but uh, it's it's not all like the Big Lebowski, and yet it also is a lot like the Big Lebowski oh, in yeah. that uh, people like the Jesus are uh, uh, frequent <sighs> bowling leagues, and it's it's a whole whole thing. And I've played multiple sports as well, so the, this might be a, a bit rough. You might get some flack for this, but bowling's not a sport to me in the same sense that baseball's a sport, golf even to that extent is a sport. And part of that with bowling is the equipment has gotten to the point where if you know how to do the basics of it and can take that next step up, you'll be one of the best in the bowling alley because the the ball, the oil pattern, everything all pushes you to be better than your actual talent level will be. And you can look back in history and see 10 years ago, if you looked at the averages for just league bowlers, it's probably 20 pins higher nowadays just because they've made it so much easier. Well, it's a oh skill that you can go do with. It's a skill that you can do, go do with your friends, and I'm certainly not going to the dentist with my friends. And I don't think I can drink at the dentist either. But they give you some uh, fun gas, maybe a couple of uh, you know things you can take a little bit later, and you can just fall asleep on the couch. You know that's nice. I like that part. Yeah. Everything before it, not so much. That usually happens after bowling too. So, Smokey, <laughs> this is not nom. This is bowling. There are rules. Yeah, you know the thing is, there are so 
many opportunities for you to take care of your teeth, but people just don't do it. Your mouth health is one of the most important areas of health in your body. Just remember that. People, what? I expect to see a giant toothbrush behind you now, too. And like, <laughs> this is your this is your thing. You've been trying to shoehorn this in for forty, however many episodes. You're like, finally, my agenda is revealed. Teeth health. <laughs> and if you, if you know, good. if you know Mike the way I know Mike, you know where he's been in the world. Just look at the ground, and if you can find those <laughs> little tiny tooth oh, everywhere, those little exactly green, about, yeah. like, with the string, mm-hmm. with the string. They're all over the place if you're anywhere near Mike. So uh, usually they're outside of his car or within whatever house he's living in at the time. So uh, it's easy to find Mike. Just look for the toothpicks. And I mean, that's a good thing, though. Ladies, fellas, whatever you're interested in, Mike would be fun to kiss because, you know, he has mouth health. It won't won't smell or, or taste bad. So. My uh, girlfriend knows that they're on the ground. Yeah, she she watched this same one that she walked by every time she left the house last year. It was on the ground for months. It was outside. It never moved. <laughs> These things are just immovable objects. It's impressive. I don't I don't know what they're made of, but they are annoying. But I do have a clean mouth. Anyways, Rod Carew or Mike Trout? Oh, Mike Trout, without question. That said, <sighs> I like Rod Carew. It's just the air I'm in. Uh, ooh, that's weird, though, because I guess I grew up more with Rod Carew. But Trout has been, aside from the 2002 World Series, I'm an Angels fan. Sorry, I didn't make that clear. As an Angels fan, that is the peak moment for an Angels fan who's paying attention at the time. Since then, there have really not been anything good happening with the team, except Mike Trout. Uh, Howie Kendrick was great, but he never quite lived up to the expectations. Um, Oh, I'm blanking on him. He was our shortstop prospect. Excellent. No, I love David Eckstein. No, he uh, more recently than he he was going to be hit 50 home runs a season. He was going to be the best player ever and then turned in absolutely nothing. Brandon Wood, that's what it is. Brandon Wood was like a top 10 prospect for years and turned into garbage. It just never panned out. And then we get Mike Trout, who was this prospect who stole 50 bases in the minors. He was going to be more of a speed guy, had a little bit of power, possibly some good average. Hey, this guy could be pretty good. Turns into the best player in baseball. So yeah, I, I can't, I, as much as I love Rod Carew, I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't say no to Trout, even with that really cool bat stance where Carew sticks it straight out to the side before he swings. Yeah. Rod Carew uh, or Sandy Koufax, the two finest Jewish athletes of all time. We still, still have a debate about that in Jewish households like uh, that I've been in. I'm Jewish for the record. And where do you lie I, on the argument? I go Koufax. I mean, crew, tremendous player, but Kovacs' peak is so powerful. It's it's very special. Elite. And the pain he went through to still c- get those numbers, it's really amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of feel bad for him that he had... He's still alive, by the way. I mean, Sandy Kovacs is on this earth right now, as far as I know. That's that's right. Actually, now that you mention that, that's one of those players you go, well, he must have died 30 years ago. And still Oh, around. boy. I'll remember him. No, he's puttering around somewhere. Yeah. Huh. Pretty sure that's Edgar, right? No, he, still, he still looks good. He shows up at the Hall of Fame. He still looks pretty good. I don't know how old he is now. He's got to be probably near 80, right? Yeah, oh, easy. Yeah, yeah. He's he's old, but uh, he, he still got it. That's what I heard in the old-timers game. He struck out the side in the bottom of that. No, that never happened. Okay. <laughs> Rod Carew, though, hell of a player. I actually feel like Rod Carew is underrated. I really do. When that's you fair. kind of compare him on the overall scale of Major League Baseball history. Sorry, Rod. Uh, how about this movie theaters or a live play? Would you rather go to a movie theater and see a film or go to a live stage play? That's actually a little tricky 
I think I'll have to say movie because there's less involved with it. You'll find as we go along that I'm a lazy human being. And so if I want to go watch a movie, I can wear this. It's my Puma hoodie and I'm wearing pants. I can confidently tell you that I could just wear that, walk into the movie theater, get popcorn, drink or whatever, watch a movie of a play to watch a good play. More often than not, it's a bit more sophisticated. So you have to doll yourself up. Plays tend to be a little more heady. Now there are there is Hamilton, which is pretty basic. There's things like the trailer, uh, what great trailer park musical or whatever that are, you know, just fun romps. But for the most <laughs> part, plays tend to be a bit more heady. So it's just there's more involved with it. I really enjoy plays, and I, I think we need to see more live play type work uh, become more successful or, or more viable as a, uh, alternative to entertainment going forward. I don't want to see that die, but, uh, I, I get it. If you just prefer to go to the movies. That said, I also worked in a movie theater. I managed one for three years, something like that. So Ooh. I've been in one a lot. Yeah. I might've done some research on this stuff, but uh, <laughs> only as far as Twitter allows, you're only giving us as much as you want us to see. We don't really know what's going on behind the curtain. Do we? No one wants to know that, to be honest. Oh, I don't know. I kind of do. I think it's interesting. <laughs> that. Uh, all right. So maybe you're familiar with this song. You heard this song before? Yes. Stairway to Heaven. Okay. Yeah, that's correct. So would you go Stairway to Heaven or War Pigs? Oh. Mm, I think I like War Pigs as, on a whole as a song. I enjoy all of War Pigs. Mm. Uh, uh, Stairway to Heaven. I really only get into it once it kicks in the gear, and you get the to that point. That's okay. Okay, now I'm in it. Now I'm in it. Now that's not the purpose of of Stairway to Heaven, and I understand the progression of it. But overall, and I like War Pigs. There you go. I like a lot of uh, old Black Sabbath stuff, and even the stuff with Dio when they brought him over. They did some really, really good stuff. I, uh, think that, I would, I would no. 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 Well, I, Jerry, what's, what would you go? War Pigs or Stairway? Uh, from the time I was probably 10 to about 25, 26, it was easily Stairway to Heaven. In the last oh. 10, 15 years, it's, it's War Pigs. I absolutely adore War Pigs. I love that song. You've evolved. You've started to learn because I was the same way. I loved Pink Floyd when I was a kid. I thought Pink Floyd was the coolest band. Now it's like I under, I get it and I understand where they are in the spectrum of things and how important they were. I think Pink Floyd is just boring now. It's the 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 overall scope of things is uh, artistic's not the right word, but it feels a little less artistic than uh, some things that were coming maybe ten years later around the world. So anyway, that's my perspective from it. As I've aged, my taste has become more refined, and I understand things. <laughs> that's tough, man. I mean, I can speak. Me and Deary, we both love Pink Floyd. Um, still do. Um, big part of our experience, right, Deary? Yeah, absolutely. We we're supposed to see Roger Waters last year, and then COVID hit. Oh yeah, that would have been cool. Uh, Roger yeah. Waters is a smart dude. He's fun to listen to, and that's not to say I don't. No, no, it's, no, no I no. don't like. Uh, it's not to say I don't dislike. That's not what you're trying to say. Uh, It's just I find their peak value to be a little lower. Their ceiling's a little lower than some of the other bands that I would say. You can still throw it on once in a while and enjoy it, but it might not have the same type of... uh, I still love The Wall. I mean, The Wall's... Even even though that's one of the most boring records compared to some of the other cool stuff they did, I still love The Wall. It's just fun. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. That's true. I saw The Wall in 2012. It was really cool. I'm glad I got to see that live, like the whole thing. So that was fun, even though it was with my mom and I only had one hour of sleep. Uh, It was tough, but I made it. 
the sacrifices I make. My life has been tough, but I've survived. Hey, guys, I got a draft going on right now. It's the podcast league draft, and my pick's up, and they're like texting me. So you guys want to do a pick together? You want to go for it? Let's do it. Hey, all right, cool. All right, no, so. No, no, let's not do it. We're going to stop the show right now. Yeah, no, absolutely, Mike. This is great live, live. This is the worst thing I've ever heard. This is worse than that plum talk. <laughs> Over the line! Don't diss my plums, man. Okay? All right. So, I'll give you the quick roster. This is pick number six for me. I'm at the turn. You know, I'm pick 15 overall. So, I took Yelich, and then I took Bueller, and then I took Snell and Marte, Starling. Now I've taken Dylan Bundy, and now I have this pick. So we got Bundy, Bueller, Snell, and we got Christian Yelich and Starling Marte, two outfielders. This is a Roto League, Roto Standard 5 by 5 So you got three pitchers off the board here, so you're pretty set on pitching for a little bit. Yeah, I would take a few rounds to look at hitting, unless unless you get some crazy value. Well, pitching, uh, for the record, pitching's gotten torched in this league. So it's you're right. Bundy was like the last guy. Everyone's gone. Like the next pitcher is Ian Anderson. And after that, it falls off even farther than that. And like I like Ian Anderson, but who knows what you're going to get out of him this year. So Agreed. Yeah, I get it at that point. So we're, we're looking hitter, arguably, in this case. So uh, by ADP see. right now, we got Biggio, Alonzo, Judge, Voigt, Torres, I'm, Gleber, Gleber Torres, Brandon Lau. Who was your other hitter? You had Yelich and and Marte. Marte. I got two power speed guys. It wouldn't be bad to look at a pure power guy. So an Alonso, a uh, Aaron Judge, one of these guys. It's not the worst thing in the world because you you do need the power. And I'm not saying you in general. I'm saying everyone needs the power. You have to have a minimum of like 28 home runs per position to compete. So that's, that's not a bad idea, and that's not off the table in my opinion. What do you guys think? Who's out there, Mike? Well, we got Biggio, like I said, Alonzo, Mr. Judge, Luke Voigt, uh, who I'm not taking this high. I just won't do it, even though I loved him last year. Helped me win some championships. Gleber, Mr. Lau, Brandon Lau, that is. And uh, we got Lourdes Gurriel, too. We got Jordan Alvarez sitting there. And Eugenio Suarez, Nick Castellanos, you know. Uh, We're at that part. We're in the, you know, this is pick 76, and pitching's been gutted. So there's some hitters hanging around here that I don't, I don't love. Uh, I kind of like Jeff McNeil. Really, it's like you're looking at power. Um, you know, do you want to get that first baseman in Alonzo? Do you want to complete your outfield with Judge? I like Judge a little more than Alonzo. Um, obviously, he needs to stay healthy, which he hasn't been able to do. I really like Caven Biggio. Um, is this a standard five by five? Yeah. So no OBP, no walks. You know, so batting average will get dinged a little bit, but the steals will be there. Uh, but I'm already getting steals. Maybe uh, if Aaron Judge is healthy, I mean, that's the risk, right? I mean, Van, can you really – are you the kind of guy that looks at injury prone as something that's always, always going on? Or do you give fresh opportunities in new seasons to injury played players? Injury prone is – it is tossed around a bit too much lately. I it think is. if a guy gets hurt, they go always injury prone forever. And that's the the mark that they get for the rest of their career. That's their scarlet letter. Mark uh, of the beast. Evan Long, yeah, Evan Longoria was that way for years. He was injury prone, injury prone, injury prone. And then suddenly four years later, we look up and he's put up 660 plate appearances for four straight years. Uh, look at the injuries is really what I say. Is it a, my back hurts. I've got a sore back and every year the back problem comes up. Okay. Mm. It's probably a little bit injury prone. Is it, he got hit in the wrist 
and his power was sapped for a season. He broke his uh, broke his wrist and had to take his uh, not clavicle, but the the bone that's in here. I blanked on it uh, out. So you know his his power is going to sap for a year, but he's going to be back a year later. Okay, that's not injury prone. That sucked. He got hit in the wrist. Stanton in the past got hit in the face with a baseball. That mm. was not why he was injury prone. It's because his knees had problems at times. That's why you could argue is he was injury prone. So that's how I look at that. Uh, everything else you said earlier, I agree with, uh, I like judge a little more than Alonso. Uh, the only thing I disagree with is Biggio, which uh, we have him a little bit later on, or we can talk about him now. I don't care. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, Biggio was a guy that I thought was overrated for a while when he started to kind of show up on the circuits around 26 after that minor league season. When he, I think he had like 26, 27 home runs, pulling up his numbers now. He started to really show up on people's radars, and there were red flags galore. Number one being that that was not his power output, and we have not seen that kind of power output. So I don't believe he's any more than a 20 home run hitter at best. I think mm-hmm. the speed is questionable. I think it's fine. It's not a zero, but... I don't know that I would peg him as a 20 stolen base guy like some people say the upside could be. Ultimately, it's a guy that takes a lot of walks and it will help you in an OBP league, but in a batting average league, he's going to hurt you. He's not going to make it okay or something tolerable. He's going to hurt you. 250 is not what he's going to hit you at 250 last year. Most projection systems have him around 237, which is not great, not good. Uh, So unless I'm getting really a boost in stolen bases or really a boost in power at this point in the draft i'm probably looking for one or the other and i tend to like guys who give you both just not this one i just i don't buy that his numbers can be spread out to 650 plate appearances and suddenly he's a 30 home run 15 stolen base guy i think he's 20 home runs at best i think he's gonna hit 235 he's gonna walk a lot he's gonna score some runs and then the stolen bases, we'll see. It could be anywhere from, I think, 8, 7, 8 to 12, somewhere in that range. Hmm. Yeah, if this was OBP or point, you know, points league, walks were in play, this would be a different story, but it's not. He'd probably be gone by now. He wouldn't be here, frankly. I, I like him, but Van brought up all of the risks that makes you want to avoid him. Obviously, the walks and you know OBP are great. Uh, stolen bases, can he get above 20, 25? I don't know. Van, Van's kind of off on that as well and the huge con is the fact he's going to strike out a ton and have a a low average you know his plate discipline discipline needs to improve and if he's going to hit for a higher average that's probably going to bring down some of his home runs so he's one of those guys that i like just because i I, i'm hoping that this is the year that you know he breaks out and fixes some of those uh deficiencies he has but Based on the other guys that are on the board, there's guys that are just a little more dependable. I think I think Alonzo has a bounce back. Um, even if he Alonzo ends up hitting 235, 240, which he probably will, he'll still hit 45 home runs for you, and that's going to help out a lot. He's going to have a shit ton of RBIs in New York with uh, you know that really advanced lineup that they have. So uh, certainly stay away from Biggio here. I will say, to play devil's advocate against myself, the good perks to Biggio are that he's going to hit one or two in that order. They are totally happy with that, and then they should because he's an OBP guy. His runs are going to be through the roof because I think that team continues to get better and better, mm-hmm. and uh, runs are still an underrated stat. Now, that said, looking at uh, yeah, last year's about right. So if he had 600 plate appearances, he would have over 100 runs, I guaranteed. So I think that's a little bit underrated, an aspect of his game that we don't pay as much attention to as we probably should. But again, I'm still probably not doing it myself at this point. 
boy. Interesting cases being made here by Christopher Deary and Manly Van Lee on the Hey, it's Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, the live draft of the Podcast League brought to you by Draft Champagne on Twitter. Zach Roto is currently ongoing, and I, I don't know what to do. I'll, I'll table it. I'll take everyone's information under advisement, and we will move forward. But this was interesting. Thank you. Uh, any final thoughts on Labor Torres? fine i mean i don't know i don't i don't where he's at is fine i don't know that i'm gonna take that plunge but i don't think there's a whole lot of upside to be found in that at bat but i also think that uh look he's a decent enough hitter that he's gonna provide value in some capacity all right (laughs) i think that's i thought glaber torres last year he was going higher coming into 2020 now he's dropping down it seems like it's a little bit more where he should be it's value it seems like the value is more reasonable but I also just get paranoid about the Yankees' strength and conditioning in general. It really <laughs> just bums me out. It does. Well, I, not- I mean, look, looking at Glaber, I mean, the guy is still super young. I mean, he's 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 really just approaching his, his prime. He's only 24 years old. And I, I know 60 games, you can't take a ton out of it. But, you know, his walk rate went up to 13% last year. Um, you know, his barrel rate dropped a little bit. What I really like is he's starting to use all parts of the field, which is really going to start to help out his average. So I, th- I think it's an OK spot with him. And I, I, I do agree with you, Mike. You know, he, he's kind of dropped compared to where he was last year. Uh, obviously, what's been going on with the Yankees that you talked about? What the hell is going on with their strength and conditioning? Guys seem to be just getting hurt left and right. Um, but I think I think he's due for a pretty solid year. Yeah, training staff's a mess over there. Anyways, uh, who the hell knows? In the end, you can get all the information you want from a lot of reputable people like Chris and Van and myself and many, many others out there. I mean, this world of fantasy baseball is loaded with a lot of pundits, Van. Uh, I got to give you credit for sticking it out. There seems to be a ton of coverage of fantasy baseball from every angle. And from what I'm gathering from the people who've been in the game for a while, it's more than ever. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And we'll see probably 40% of shows or analysts drop out by opening day. And then it will <laughs> boost up a little bit because as soon as the, the games start getting played, people start listening and stuff, you'll see some some more shows crop up and guys go, hey, I've heard my friends do this. I can do this, which by all means, go out and do that. If you think you can do it, do it. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see a lot of people who think it's it's like a quick path to having fun and getting some validation. But the problem is, is for every validation you get, you get 10 times you mess up or you make a mistake and everyone in the world remembers it. Every single person remembers it. So it's, it's a little harder in that regard than a lot of people think, but yeah, no, this is, it's a sat, it's an oversaturated market. And that I tend to look at that as not necessarily a bad thing because it does mean that maybe some older guys who've come become complacent, particularly guys from the old era who worked at ESPN or stuff like that, and they're used to their way of things. And then my group of people started to come in and we're the more, you know, free thinking podcast uh, originating people kind of thing that kind of came in. And now we've got the younger crew who've been listening to podcasts now for 10 years and they know what they are and they understand it greater than even we do as podcasters so uh, it's it's saturated but if that means that we get some reshuffling and it benefits everyone then great i'm all for it beautiful thank you that's the kind of bottom lines we give you on the show here let me fire a couple quick ones at you because i didn't get to i didn't didn't get to do all of them so real quick speed round here on the enrico's inquisition uh sliders or curveballs curveball uh ricky gervais or steve carell Secret. Uh, Kleenex or paper towel? <laughs> paper towel. More dirt, more uh, usability. 
whereas Kleenexes are not great for liquid at all. <laughs> Imagine Dragons or Nickelback. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, this is a hellscape that you've brought me into. It's more of like, is there a better drummer out of the <laughs> Well, here's what I know. I know like three Nickelback songs, and that's all Nickelback's going to play. I only know that one Imagine Dragon song that I don't like. So maybe there's other songs that they have that I could hate, but maybe to a lesser extent. So I'll go with Imagine Dragons. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. That, that was a good job. Uh, 80s or 90s? 90s. Uh, both sucked. Uh, let's be honest. They sucked. Oh, wow. I'm 35. So I was a child through the nineties. I was an adult. I didn't get to make money like people adults did in the nineties. I, in, I inherited the two thousands as an adult where there was no money to be made by anyone, uh, with the exception <laughs> of the, what's his name from Amazon. That's about it. So anyway, the nineties were not as it was a high school. It was a school experience to me, not quite high school, but you get the idea. Okay, fine. Yeah, we were we're forty. We're five years past you. Uh, we had some fun in the nineties, but we didn't make any money. I'm very confident of that. Uh, <laughs> all right, and then finally, Van, for love or money, money, money can buy love. <laughs> hey, I, I think both are important, and there's a middle ground. But uh, yeah, no, money's money's great. Money buys comfort. And can buy you love, as we're seeing in uh, not only the political, but also the entertainment spectrum. Okay, well, there you have it. Another vote for money. And Why we've seen. catching up here, Mike. I think this might be two or three in a row. I don't know what Matt said on Monday, but man, money is making a real charge right now to track down love. Matt loves money, and he plays a lot of high stakes, but I think uh, he chose love. I'll have to double check the tape. Uh, because we always record every show on audio tape, right, Van? Yeah, that's right. All the big reels, you have to constantly turn them. And you can't change speed because that'll make them talk oh. faster. And yeah, I know. Yeah, it'll ruin everything. Uh, although I've heard certain podcasters actually are better at certain speeds increased. It depends, depends on each voice. I would think people like me and you, Van, are... We're not good at higher speeds. It would probably sound worse. Well, and this is, you're really seeing in the beast here because something I deal with as a presenter through an audio format is I try to fill fill those voids, those blank spaces. I tend to talk like this. So I think that if Kevin Biggio is going to go through this way, and later on in the show, we're going to bring on this guest, and we're going to talk about because I feel like people don't want those spaces, but sometimes that's important. So you have to slow yourself down. So uh, yeah, if you're out there listening, you don't have to fill every void, but you also don't want a lot of voids or ums or uhs, that sort of thing. Can, can I say something now? <laughs> do, do you remember when you were, that was pretty cool, huh? <laughs> Chris Farley show. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> All right, well, there it is. Uh, Van, thank you for sharing some of the insights of your life. Uh, I wanted to do more, but I'm trying to keep this show on the rails. So uh, we can always do this again another time. I think this that is- train has left the station long ago, but oh, hey, I'm here boy. for the journey. Oh, boy. All right, this is the Hey! It's Enrico Palazzo, Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo! Two L's, two Z's. Palazzo, Palazzo, however you want to say it. We're on Twitter. We're on all your standard formats. And now we're going to dive into our Fantasy Breakdown. And I think, uh, Deary, why don't we move up into this or that? Are you ready? Can we handle that? Yeah, we can do that. Uh, let's 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 do a couple of these. We'll we'll see how it works out. It's be a new segment. Okay, Deary, you have control of the floor. Me and Van are at your mercy. 
All right. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you an option. We're going to give you player one and player two. Hey, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. This is like, this is like uh, uh, in baseball, you know, when like they have too many announcers uh, and they got like three innings for one guy. Hey, now we're going to turn it over to Bob Uecker for the next three innings. I'll be back for the sixth. Oh, man, the, oh, yeah, the Tigers were doing that all of last year. It was the worst. Yeah, really? We're going to have Gibby for three innings. and They, were they couldn't in. last the full game. The announcer's are like, oh, God, this is a sixth <sighs> inning. This is the worst. Look at these Tigers play. So they had to go ahead and on that one. Room. No comeback on that. Oh, God. Sorry, dear. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So, all right, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you two players, uh, a few of their stat cast numbers from 2020 and 2019. The first number will be from 2020. Second number will be from 2019. You let me know which player you prefer. Um, you can also have, ask me what position it is, and then I'll actually give you who the players are, and we'll talk about their ADP because these guys have – varying numbers here when you look deeper into the stats and their ADPs are very, very far apart. So you guys ready? Yes, ready. sir. All right. So player one, 4.5 and a 2.9 walk percentage in 2020 and 2019. Exit velocity of 87 and 88. Barrel percentage of 10.10 and 4.9. Hard hit rate of 35 and 37. And a swinging strike rate of 15.9 and 13.5. Player two, walk percentage of 8.3 and 9.4. So that's about double of player one. Exit velocity is pretty much the same as player one, 89 and 88. Barrel percentage, somewhat close, 11.4 in 2020, 7.7 .7 in 2019. Hard hit rate a little higher than player one. 40 and 41 respectively. And then a swinging strike rate of 13.9 and 11.7. And these are two shortstops. Huh. Van, do you have any leads in your mind right now? Do you want the short answer or the long answer? Uh, the short one. Player two, the walk percentage is a lot more stable. And I tend to trust people who walk a bit more than people who don't. That said, uh, this doesn't tell the whole tale. And if player two is batting 205 and player one is batting 300, that makes player one a hell of a lot better than player two. So <laughs> it depends on your format and what you're looking at. Okay. I got the caveat caveats out of the way. Player two is my answer. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll go with player two as well. Any idea who these two shortstops are? And Van, you know, kind of hit the the nail on the head there. Player one definitely had a better batting average in 2020 and also was a batting champ in 2019. Oh. Um, trying to think who won. Oh, was it uh, uh, Tim Anderson? Is that right? Player one is yeah. Tim Anderson okay. with an ADP of 39 right now. Wow. And player two has a lower ADP than Tim. Correct. He has an ADP of 103. Uh, Marcus Simeon. Nope, it's gonna be Dansby Swanson. Oh, Dansby Swanson. Okay. Yeah, so just kind of looking deeper into those numbers, uh, Dansby might be able to give you um, a little bit of what Tim Anderson gives you. I mean, obviously, uh, Dansby's gonna bet lower in that lineup, but uh, I think it's a stacked lineup in Atlanta. Uh, he's certainly gonna walk a little bit more. It's the big downside of Tim Anderson, he's gonna walk a ton. But I really love Tim Anderson, and he really showed last year that that batting average is probably going to stabilize. But Dansby Swanson is someone who can give you some really, really good stats 70s picks later than Tim Anderson. I have no yeah. qualms with anything you said. The only thing I will add is with Tim Anderson, we've Tim seen Anderson, some... is that one wing? That's awesome. Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson. Yeah, Tim it's Anderson. a great birth name. 
Uh, we've seen him have knee issues in the past that kind of sapped his speed. By all accounts, he's healthier. <gasps> he could be back to being a 20-plus stolen base guy, and if he is, then his value dwarfs Swanson's by a lot. But mm-hmm. the idea of what you're saying here is, is uh, tremendous because Swanson's quite a bit underrated, and I like Swanson a lot. I think he's a, f- a fun player to watch, and I think he's a bit underrated in the grand scheme of things. Wrong! <laughs> Don't Excellent. you wish you had buttons you could press back? I mean, come on. Yeah, I do. Fair. If you really want me to hook it up, I, I do. <laughs> no, Mike, I don't want to go Mike, through. Mike, any thoughts about Swanson uh, and Anderson? I loved him, Anderson, and I didn't used to love him, but last year I heated up on him, and then what I saw, and I'm not a guy who puts a lot of stock in 2020. I don't, but I know that he's ascending. He's growing and getting better as a player, and he makes contact with everything. It, I thought the walk rate was a problem coming into 2020, but it doesn't matter because he makes good contact all over the place, out of the zone. It's really impressive. So I, I buy in. This guy is going to be a perennial batting champion type player. The only question is, as Van alluded to, is the speed. Is that something that will stick in his repertoire or will it fade more? Because he hit more for more power last year. You know, yeah. if that if he becomes more of a power guy, starts running less, that's going to bum me out. That'll reduce my interest in him. Excellent. Great. All right, let's move on to the next two players. Uh, player one, batting average in 2020 of 289, batted 273 in 2019. A BABIP of 339 and 359 in 2020 and 2019. Hard hit rate of 47 in 2020, 44 in 19. A swinging strike rate of 11.8% and 13.5%. So he got a little better last year in 2020 in the shortened season. Player two, batting average much lower, 243 last year in 2020. 2019, batted 272. BABIP of 307 and 314, so that's considerably lower than player one. Hard hit rate of 47, that's the same as player one in 2020. A little lower in 2019 at 41%. And swing strike rate of 15% the last two years. So looking at these two players, player two... Struggle with the batting average last year. Uh, they're both about the same. They swing nearly the same amount. Swing strikes actually quite a bit higher on player two. The player one, in a to sum it up, has a better batting average. He had 289, which is 40 points higher than player two. So therefore, I would take player one. 40 points is huge. The batting average is the only number you put here in mm-hmm. most leagues that remotely matters yep. if you want to look at the, the grand scheme of things. Hey, that's your opinion, man. <laughs> No, it literally is his opinion, but you're right. That's why we have him on the show, because we want Van's opinions. Van, I'm actually struck by the similarity in batting average between both players in 2019. It's a dead heat, 273 and 272. So there's a drop-off here that happened in 2020, which is the only reason probably that the ADP dropped on this second player. I I have no problem taking either one of these players, because I feel like they'll end up being the same guy in the end. Let me tell you what I do with my brain when I look at these numbers and analyze it. And I'll tell you something that this is just something I find interesting. Maybe no one else does. But uh, if I'm looking at the two players, I can see that player one had a 340 BABIP last year and 360 BABIP in 2019. This is the player that has had the higher batting average for the most part. If I see BABIPs that are like that and that are not 307, 314 like player two, that tells me we have a high BABIP. High Babbitt players over two years, so we at least have somewhat of a sample size, tend to put the balls in play more. They tend to hit it harder. They tend to be faster, younger guys. So in essence, if I'm looking at it 
from that perspective, I could say that, okay, well, this guy's just a better active baseball player in that it's not just a three true outcomes guy because maybe the other guy doesn't swing as much. Maybe he walks more. So I see player one as in a batting average league as being probably safer than player two, just based on these numbers. Mm, interesting. Okay. Well, we love trying to understand how people's brains work. So thank you for sharing that, Van. Or so don't these, work, depending on your two, perspective. These two players, oh, right. this, this is where it gets interesting. These two players are catchers. Um, oh, one guy really hasn't been a full-time catcher until the last couple of years. I mean, he was, but really, really didn't start break out breaking out until he left the Detroit Tigers, and he now just signed with uh, the New York Mets. So, player James one, McCann. player one is James McCann. That's a very James McCann line. So, I buy that a hundred percent. Yeah. Definitely. Now, both players in most projections are set to start about 118 games this year. Uh, so that's something that I really wanted to take into account. Player two has an ADP of 130 on uh, NFBC, and, and James McCann is at 199. Player two, any idea who player two is? Yeah, my guess is Darno. I, I, think, I think it'd be Travis Darno. Uh, let me verify that. I think that is... He might have had a better batting average. Christian life. Vasquez? It is Wilson Contreras. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. I see it now. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, just looking into like McCann's number, I was, I was, I was kind of surprised about, you know, especially that bad. If obviously I wanted to throw average in there, I wasn't going to just throw out all these crazy, stupid stat cast numbers with you guys. Um, but I think James McCann is going to be a guy that a lot of people, I think that ADP might be going up a little higher, especially with some of the moves that the Mets have made. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to have chances for a lot of RBIs. All right, let's do one more, dearie. Yeah, let's head down to a pitcher. So let's go down to this fourth option here. Um, so these are two pitchers. Uh, first ADP is 59, and that'd be for player two. And player one, his ADP is 109. So player one, ERAs the last two years of 3.27 and four point or 2.49. Home run to fly ball rate, 6.9 and 8.8. Batting average against, 218 and 201. Uh, K percentage of 20.1, 26.1. And this guy is only 24 years old. Player two, ERA of 3.32 and 3.67 the last two years. Home run to fly ball rate, 3.13.8 in 2020, 9.9 in 2019. Batting average against the last two years, 204 and 241. K percentage, 25% and 28% the last two years. And this pitcher is 33 years old. I'm curious to find out these names because I want to know what the full story is because obviously (laughs) you're presenting a tale here. And in this tale, player one looks like a young pitcher getting better. And that's exactly what it looks like. So there's, or well, I guess he struggled a bit more this past year, but I buy a 3270 RA anytime I see it for the most part. Um, I mean, there's no reason not to like player one over player two based on what I'm looking at right here. Again, we'll see what the full story is. I am very confident. I know who player one is very confident in that one, but I don't, I thought I knew who player two was. And then I realized it's not because he's not 33. I was thinking, so look, player number one is Corbin Burns. Is that correct? You are not correct. Damn it. Oh, bloody hell. I thought I had that one. Crap. Okay, look at me. The guy who mainly pitched out of the bullpen in 19, kind of more of a middle relief, spot started a few games, really got into the rotation last year, and he won a a championship last year. 
I'm an idiot. Yeah, I, I'm mixing up these numbers backwards. I'm a fool. Hey, everybody, don't listen to me. I don't know anything about fantasy baseball. Turn this off. Never listen to us ever again. Good night. Is it stripling? Is stripling in here some capacity? No, because that's too no, early. No, 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 no. Yeah, too early. But that narrative follows the, his narrative. It's, but Yeah, it's not Sonny Gray. Is neither one of these pitchers. Um, Kenta Maeda? Player one is Julio Urias. Mm. Oh! Player two is a guy who changed teams in the last couple of years and really had an incredible year last year. And also 19 was really, really good, too. I thought he was someone who was kind of done. He's been a workhorse for several teams over the last I know what it is. I know what it is. I know what it is. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? It's Lance Lynn. It is Lance Lynn. But I buy every single bit of Lance Lynn, so I'm totally fine with his ADP. Yeah, Lance Lynn, ADP right now, 59. Uh, Urias, 109, so that's 50 spots later. I'm really interest, interested to see what Urias does. Is he going to be able to give you 180 to 200 innings? I doubt it. Um, you know, they've been pretty careful with him over the last few years, but I think he's going to give you some pretty good value. But, yeah, Lance Lynn, I was not a believer last year. I'm like, there's just no way. I mean, this guy's just been a workhorse for a few years, and I thought it was – going to somehow start to fall apart last year. And it really didn't like so many of his like numbers jumped is, I mean, his, his K percentage the last two years, 25 and 28% was really, really good. And there's a couple of other people we've had on our podcast, specifically the upper decker guys that really, really like Lance Lynn. So I think uh, Lance Lynn is uh, also a guy who's going to be super dependable for you. I just find it really interesting looking at these two guys. Yeah. But Ty's a ranger psycho too, by the way. So that's all a bunch of bullshit. (laughs) You heard me, Ty. Just kidding, Ty. We love you. Sorry. Uh, the only thing I'll say about Urias is anyone who's ever heard me before talk about him already knows I'm about to say this, but I just don't want anything to do with him. Uh, his injury was catastrophic. One of the worst injuries we've ever seen a pitcher have and come back in any capacity. Like, he should be done. His, his uh, what lat, I think it is, was ripped clean off of his shoulder. It he should be a reliever then, bad. is what you're saying. I think he's 100 innings at best any given season. I will never see him as a starting pitcher. And if he does, if he comes out next year and throws 220 innings and strikes out 280 batters, great. I'm still not going to draft him the following year, even if he's so many picks later, because I just I cannot buy that this guy ever has health. He, he is going to have to do it for 10 years straight, and then I'm going to go, okay, I guess I should buy it, and then he's going to retire because he's 10 years later. Well, this is why we have great analysts like Van on. Now everybody can take those excellent tidbits from Van, especially with the injury history of Julio, and we all can avoid Mr. Urias in 2005. <laughs> there you go. Beautiful, man. You're a hero among men, women, and children. I'll tell you this. That was interesting. Thank you, Deary. I really enjoyed that. I'll take the mic back now as we head to the top of the seventh. Uh, do up next. We got Richards, Albatross, and Franklin up next. Uh, right after this. No, there would never be a player named Albatross. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> so stupid. You know what it was? I was watching Master and Commander, and they were talking about Albatrosses. That's what it was. Oh, everything comes back to Master and Commander and Plums. Awesome. It's those two things. That's it. <laughs> I'm glad that we're establishing some some key points that can continue as the podcast goes along. Well, let's get into some ADP talk now. You know, it's going to be fun. So. You're ready for this now. ADP. ADP. See, I did it. I did it. I was a little early on the initial one. ADP. I appreciate the effort. I mean, A plus. (laughs) 
This is the first time we've done this. So, you know, first time segments, you know, you got to try them. And see how well, I created a segment called ABCs six, seven years ago oh, using this exact song. But oh, the only shit. thing I remember from it is I would uh, I would pull clips from old episodes and make us sound stupid. My old co-host and I, Brian, that you met. Yeah. And um, the only thing I remember is at one point I said big butts on bicycles. And that got <laughs> put in the drop. And I will anytime I hear ABC, that song. I immediately think of myself saying, big butts on bicycles. <laughs> oh, man. That's Which, for those asking, was a pornographic film. And hold oh, on. Oh. Hold on. Let me explain how I know this. I worked for a video rental store that had an adult section. And my favorite part about all of it was going back and reading some of the titles, which happened to be big butts on bicycles. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I got to tell you. There is no longer any video store. Is, have you seen one? Is there one within a 50-mile radius of you now? Well, Family Video is the one I worked for, and this was not that long ago. They just shuttered their doors. They had 700-plus stores as of four oh, or five did? years ago. Mm-hmm. Mostly in the Midwest. Family Video uh, two miles around the way here. I think I it's the last one in the state of Michigan, Mike. And they're done. They're, they are closed. They are shutting every single store down now, which uh, oh, is disappointing in one regard, but also I know the inner workings of the company and the people that own it, and I'm totally fine with it. And they're going to be fine, too, because they own all the land. Anyway. They should have oh, just moved yeah. on to more selling more movies like Big Butts on Bicycles. Then uh, then they would have survived. Made, well, they would have because the people who – no, I, that's a generalization. Some people who enjoy watching Big Butts on Bicycles like the human experience of renting from another human being. As When I managed the store, I would try and help if I had a female working the register. Not that they couldn't handle it, but I would try and – get in their way and help the porn guy check out because he was doing it for a reason. Uh, we'll, we'll put that there. And there you go. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, porno I, porn's bad. I, I don't care what you do in your own time. Have at it. But there are bad people who abuse it in public. Anyway. Yes. And uh, we don't condone that here on the show, but, uh, you know. Good. I we, expected uh, you guys would. I really thought that'd be in the byline of the podcast. It's like, we, we want pornographic horribleness all across the world. I just assumed that was uh, in the instructions for the show. Damn it! Who's been messing with our bylines? All right. Let's do a little ADP talk, like I said, with my terrible intro. Uh, that's okay, though. Guys, girls, everybody out there, I'm willing to make mistakes. I want that on the record. Good. Thank you. Uh, so I gave some names on here. Uh, we already talked about Kevin Biggio, so I think we don't need to cover him again. But Kenta Maeda right now, as of January 1st, by the way, all these ADPs are of January 1, and we go with the NFBC because those were where the high-stakes players are. And the more money that is involved, the more honest the ADP is, in my opinion. Kenta Maeda, 46. This just feels like it's too high to me. I'm a little paranoid about that. I enjoyed him in 2020 and what he did for me in the short sample but maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe I was talking with Matty Davis, who loves the Dodgers. And so he knows Kenta Maeda pretty well. And he said the Dodgers would have done the same thing the Twins are doing. They would have stretched him out and let him go to town and pitch, a, if it was a full season, 180 innings. They, they He really believed that. Kenta Maeda, man, how do you feel about this ADP? Well, A, I would argue that because the Dodgers could have done that for years and they never did. They yes. always, every year, would pitch him until... July, and then they'd pop him in the bullpen, and his numbers would suffer in one way or another. So I like what the Twins are doing. I think they have figured him out. I think too many fantasy players see that 2.7 ERA and start to salivate. 
Uh, there's bounce or there's regression coming. That said, Kenta Maeda is one of the safest bets to pitch innings at that spot in the draft. So if you're a player who hasn't gotten your starting pitcher yet, your first starter, Maeda is the safe option. He's the guy that you know is going to give you innings and is going to give you a, a baseline of percentage that is helpful. Maybe there's no upside to it or not much upside to it. But uh, for the most part, this is a safe pick. So that in mind, I get it where he's being taken. I do not want to be the team that has to take Kenta Maeda here. I want to already have one, possibly two starters because pitching is going to be so crazy this year. So I think that elevates his value because he's going to pitch innings and he's going to pitch pretty good innings, but there's just no upside here. And I think there are players with better upside uh, just around it. Hmm. Would you rather have him or Tyler Glasnow? Glasnow. Actually, I'll give you a list. I would rather have Woodruff, Gallon, uh, Glasnow, uh, possibly Corbin Burns, though I think probably not. But we'll see. But uh, yeah, there's several names there that I would much rather go up. I just think they have way more upside. Love it. Top two. I completely agree with you. I, all day, every day, Gallon and Woodruff. Those guys are studs, and I think they're more studly than Maeda, even if it was uh, not even an innings thing at all. I just like them better overall. But Glass now is where I would start to get unsettled. And I love Burns last year, but I question his durability. He got hurt towards the end, and he has not had a chance to really stretch out. The Brewers have said they're going, what, 100 innings more for each pitcher as of now? That's their plan. Um, I think Woodruff is, Woodruff, yeah, Woodruff is a guy. Exactly. We'll see. Woodruff went deep in games last year. I believe in him being a guy who can go deeper into games than almost any of those names you just mentioned, actually, even Gallon. Hot takes. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's, it's weird. Like, I'm on board with Van. Like, he's going to be one of the safer picks you have, but it's, he's just not flashy and doesn't have that upside. Uh, I believe there's going to be some regression. Uh, he had a 1.91 ERA at home last year. And I think, it, he, I mean, obviously it's not going to be under two, but I think it's going to continue to be good. Um, over the last two years, just the, looking at the park factors with the Twins, um, 22nd and runs against at home and 24th, uh, in home runs. So they're going to be, you know, in the upper third of, uh, you know, not giving up runs and home runs in, uh, you know, target field over there. Uh, and this is a guy who's just going to fool you with his slider and his changeup that he throws 60% of the time. He has a really good ground ball percentage, uh, that jumped a lot last year in Minnesota. So it's, it's safe. It's not super flashy. I like every other guy over him that you guys mentioned, Glasnow, Burns, Woodruff, uh, and I'm probably not targeting Maeda, but I don't think I'd be terribly upset if I do have him because I, I think I know what I'm going to get from him. And so it is. Van, we did Kevin Biggio. We're skipping that. I've noticed in the two drafts I did this week, one ongoing, as I mentioned, the podcast, Battle the Pod. There's a lot of Battle the Podcast League, so I almost feel like it's a redundant thing. Not to disrespect you, Zach, if you're out there. I love you. You're a great guy. I can still say something and still mean two different things while three different things are happening at the same time. Oh, is this Inception? I mean, you're getting deep here. (laughs) But Oh, by the way, have you seen Tenet? No, I haven't. Is it good? No. uh, Two guys that I do a movie pod with ripped it to hell last night so they said he finally went too deep into his own mind and it just made no sense and it wasn't fun anymore so just a little thought on I, I saw it in the theater and i oh. was wildly confused i wish i did not have two manhattans before i walked into that theater i wish i was <laughs> dead sober um i think it's one of those things that you have to watch two or three times 
two, three, four, maybe even 12 times before you even understand what's going on. And that's that's like that's too deep for me. I mean, I don't think Inception went too deep and I really like that movie. But I, I think Nolan uh, stroked his own cock a little bit too much on this one. and <laughs> went way too deep. Fair enough. I agree. You know what's too deep for me is this Lourdes Gurriel ADP. So two drafts I've done this week. I've been sitting there in the 70s, and there he is. 80s, there he is. He's sitting there. He's always available, but it seems like nobody's buying into this. He's on a great lineup I, that we discussed earlier with Biggio and Bichette and Guerrero and Teoscar Hernandez. I mean, there's a lot of Blue Jays in the top 100 now on ADP. What do you think? Lourdes Gurriel, is he better than your, you know, you? Is he better than you? Actually, <laughs> yes, would be the answer to that. Uh, first off, good, great segue. You know, uh, I, I'm my mind is blown about that the segue, and I'm so impressed, and I love it so much. Uh, but actually, talking about Gurriel, I, I buy it. I think this is fine. Uh, I think there are a lot of holes to poke in his game, and I was one doing that, particularly last year. I didn't necessarily buy that the full breakout had come because of how bad I think it was the second half was uh, the previous year, whatever it may be. But the power's real. I think we've seen enough from him to say that, okay, he's a legit power guy. The projection systems all have him around 27 to 29 home runs. That's real. I don't buy the batting average to the extent that a lot of people do. And it looks like the projection systems don't either. He's right around 270. I think that's fair. So I think if you're drafting him as a 270, 30 home run hitter with not zero speed, yeah, that's great. And you can take that right here. The good news is there is batting average upside. I don't necessarily buy it, but clearly he's done it. So maybe with a little Babbitt fortune, he can provide uh, a 300 batting average uh, again. But uh, overall, yeah, I think he's fine around here. I wouldn't go too much higher with it, but no qualms. More caveats here for you, Van. Okay. If you combine 2018 and 19, it's 149 games played, 606 played appearances for Guriel. No 2020, just 2018 and 19. 31 home runs, 85 ribbies, seven steals, six caught stealing, by the way, 29 walks. That's a 279 batting average, a 320 OBP, and a slugging right at 500, OPS of 820. Um, it's a good player. I don't know if he's, that's a great player, though. So. I mean, it sounds about right. It sounds like exactly what I would predict for him and essentially going forward, too. So maybe that is more valuable. Maybe he should be 10 picks higher, but at the very least, I think it's. Uh, I think it's perfectly acceptable to be taping, taking him here. And if he fell further, maybe then you're really going to get a, a, a benefit a perk. But at this point, <laughs> I think it's just fine value. Wow. What do you think, Darian Guriel? Are you in love? You know, I love the fact he's batting third for the for the Blue Jays. I mean, they're going to hit a ton of home runs there. Uh, I like Tiascar even more. And yeah, looking into 2020, which I want to throw out, but I want to I want to put out some of the stats that he had in, in 2020. I mean, he batted 342 over his last 30 games. This guy, for the whole season last year, ahead in the count, he batted 400, which is absolutely ridiculous. Good BABIP, good exit velocity, nice barrel percentage, hard hit rate. I'm on board with Van. Like, if you're getting 30 home runs, 80 to 90 RBIs, and you can get 265 to 275 average, I, I think that's okay right there. I like maybe a Michael Conforto more, which is going, you know, you know, right around that same spot, you know, six or seven spots higher. Uh, but I like him over a Nick Castellanos or a Austin Meadows there. So I think uh, Guriel, he's not going to guy, he's not going to be a guy that's like flashy in terms of his name, but like I think he's a hot up and coming guy. And I think uh, he's going to put up a solid season with the Blue Jays if he can stay healthy. Oh, he's a hot up and coming guy. All right. That's right, man. <laughs> he's, he's running down the runway. 
Lourdes Guriel or Ramon Laureano, Van? Ooh, it's a team comp thing. If you need steals, you're going to go Laureano. If you need pure power, you're going to go with uh, Goriel. But again, fine with either one. Maybe I should be a bit more shaken with uh, what Laureano did last year, or I might be making that up, but I feel like he had a bad season last year. <laughs> yeah, at the he, end. yeah, he did. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought, but I, I kind of tossed it out. I'm going through my own process the last time I looked at his information. So no, We tossed out Laureano last year, but we buy in Guriel last Bingo. year. Bingo, that's how this oh. works. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> Whatever well, makes well, our opinions fit. Yep. Laureano was taunted by an older man on the other bench. It's not cool what happened. You know, he should know better. But the old man played the old, you know, the old geezer got the best of him. Played a mind trick on him. Well done. Anyways, I think Laureano's not that much different from Guriel, but, you know, we can have our different opinions here, Van. And you can get Laureano another 45, 50 picks later, maybe even 60 picks. So just something to think about if you believe that Laureano can hit for a little bit more pop. And I've seen it. In 2019, I think it could be very close. I really do, but I don't prove these things. I just say things and let you people do with them as you will. Sal Perez, catcher of record. Maybe the number one catcher if JT Real Muto didn't exist. Get it? Ah, ha, ha. But 79.80p, Van, is that a little, a little bit too high for you? To take a catcher, yeah, absolutely. I, I just, I'm not taking a catcher that high. That's just the short catcher. end of it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yes, Real Muto's the man and he always provides surplus value to his teams. But the year that he doesn't, the year he misses 40 games because he gets hurt, the is the year you've wasted pick 45 or whatever it may be. So, uh, catcher is a hot dumpster fire full of garbage. And I would rather, pick at it later on at the trimmings than dive head first into it with Sal Perez here. Now that said, Sal Perez, you know what you're getting. You're going to get a 260 average guy with 30 home runs. I think too many people think he's going to 300. Yeah, no walks. So an OBP, you don't want anything to do with him. But too many people see the stats last year and think, okay, maybe he turned it up. Maybe he can hit 300. He can't. He had a 375 bat, but he still strikes out quite a bit. Can't walk. Clearly doesn't have that much control of the strike zone. He's going to hit 265. That's pretty good. Be happy yeah. with 265. I just realized that my ABC ADP bit, it's probably been done, first off. And then second of all, I realized that you down with OBP and the Naughty by Nature songs, definitely been done too, right? Absolutely. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter if you're the first to do it. It just matters if you're the best to do it. So if your ABC drop is the best, then wow. no one can compete. That's I like that. That's optimistic thinking. Thank you. I think Sal Perez is being way overhyped this year. It was just coming off a devastating leg injury where he missed all the previous season before that, but he's back and healthy. And if you believe that that won't crop up again for a catcher, then great. But this was only a short sample. Easy, easy, slow down a bit. There's a lot of catcher value, I think, because it's such a uh, empty void of nothingness. No offense to catchers, by the way, who I, I'm a big fan of. Uh, I always used to tell any any catchers I played with, I'd be like, what is your deal? Why are you doing this to yourself? This is stupid. Go play second base. You don't have to do anything. You just stand there and occasionally throw it slowly to first base. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, catchers, uh, whew, that's, that's a tough life. So kudos to the Molinas out there who have done it forever. Yes. The and I mean the Molinas for sure because there's, of course, all three of them, Benji, Jose, and uh, Yadier. One of the best right. catching families ever to exist. You know, Benji hit for the, uh, wasn't it Benji who hit for the cycle? Mm -hmm. And boy, did he run those bases. I watched that game live. That was so much fun. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. The, he, uh, he got the triple 
that was impressive. That's what sealed the deal, I believe. I believe and, uh, Sports Center immediately aired the clip of it, but played uh, Chariots of Fire over it. That that old dun 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 song. That's a good yeah. one. I got to write that Perfect. down. Thanks. Get you give me ideas, Van. Okay, uh, we could do ADP forever. Uh, is there anything else on your mind, ADP wise, you want to mention real quick, Van, or? Uh... Uh, not really. I mean, this year, you just keep in mind that it's going to be an ever-changing thing. And particularly the closer we get to spring training after that first week of spring training, when people report and uh, guy a says, Oh, my shoulder's sore. I'm not ready to participate in workouts. Guy is going to drop 75 picks. So it's going to change pretty drastically when we get closer to the season. So keep an open mind about it. Beautiful. I think we should all keep an open mind about everything. Thank you for listening. All right. Since we're talking about ADP, that kind of gets into my point about your fantasy process. So we'll talk about this quickly. Uh, How do you look at fantasy? What is the key thing when you open draft prep for 2021 or any new year? Is there one thing that stands out that you sit down and you say, hey, I have got to get into this right away? Or is it a multitude of many different stats that come at you at once? It's a multitude, but in essence, I'll give you an answer. The first thing I do when I do draft prep from the previous season is I get auction dollar values, and that's how much dollar value that every player earned because that is single-handedly the best way to look at a list of players and internalize this player performed better than expected. Is If I see that uh, you know a guy who's taken that pick 235 gave you $28 worth of value, well, damn, that's a huge value. Now I can look at that player, what they did. Do I believe it? What do the projection systems say? It's a weird thing to do. And I tell you this, even if you don't play in auction leagues, just do it so that you can see and internalize all of what happened essentially the previous year. Because I still, like I said about uh, Ramon Laureano, I know what Ramon Laureano did, but I don't remember what every single player did last year. So sometimes I get a brain fog. But I did remember that, hey, he didn't provide much dollar value, so maybe he hit a bad year. Anyway, that's the easiest way to do that, and the first thing I do. That's an outstanding answer. Thank you, Van. Appreciate that greatly. Uh, We don't want you to give away the farm, so to speak, or the business or the penthouse in New York City, whatever it is that's very precious to you. Sell the farm, right? Sell the farm. Sell the farm, right? Oh, that's a drop we need. Um, Do mock drafts help you? (laughs) Okay, so I'm glad you brought this up because uh, I'm notorious for hating on mock drafts. And I will continue to hate on mock drafts for the rest of my life. I literally listened to you go apeshit about it recently. So, yeah, I wanted to get it on the record on our show, too. (laughs) Well, here's here's the gist of it. Mock drafts do not help you build a team in, in the sense of actual players. They do not help you decide that I can get Kershaw at this pick and then 10 picks later I can get this player because... There are, if it's a 12-team mock draft, it's a 15-team mock draft, there are 12 or 15 guys in there trying something different every single time. Because almost universally, no one does a mock draft like they would do a real draft. They just don't. Everyone says, this time I want to try this. So the actual names do not help you. What a mock draft helps you do is make smart decisions, think on your feet. Like if it's a you know minute and a half clock, you have to react like you would in a real draft. So you can look at your team and go, okay, well, I need an outfielder here. So let me look at the outfielders. And you can react a lot quicker. That is the benefit to mock drafts. Everything else you get from a mock draft is worthless, in my opinion, because none of it will be true when you get to your actual league. Do you do mocks, Terry? Yeah. And uh, for usually the first three or four rounds, and then I get bored because I'm like, this isn't even going to be my team. So then I stop. <laughs> 
<laughs> and to be honest, eighty percent of of mock drafters, that's the way it is. So so picks five to twenty seven or twenty eight are worthless because it's all computerized anyway. It's been auto drafted. We do them uh, at Roto Fanatic. Uh, by the oh, way, I forgot to mention this show is part of the Roto Fanatic Podcast Network, and we do them once a month because it's like a presentation piece. It's like a think piece that you can talk about. But otherwise, I probably fun. I wouldn't do them. You know, you're right. Yeah, and I don't I don't do them at all. I I will look at the only mock drafts I pay attention to are as if it is a pure expert quote. I do that with huge quotation marks here. Expert league where uh, Todd Zola and Jeff Zimmerman sat down in a room together and did a mock draft. That's important because those guys are pretty much doing what they expect, and you can get a better picture from that. But any other mock draft, if there's a single tiny question mark involved with it, the whole thing's tainted. Is there one person or an entity that you trust more than anybody else besides yourself? I've said Jeff Zimmerman, so I won't do that again. But I do. he's a guy that, even if I don't agree with everything he says, I can now understand how his brain got to that point and apply that logic elsewhere. So I do like Jeff Zimmerman. But I want to bring up uh, Shelly Verstraight. Now, Shelly, I don't know if you guys have spoken with her. Uh, she Actually, she'll be on the show later this month. Excellent. Shelly's great. I love Shelly. We started a uh, Dynasty Baseball League seven or eight years ago, six years ago maybe, and she's in it, and we've been in it for all these years. That's actually the Dynasty Dynasty Baseball League, which the Nasty Cast is founded about. Oh. So Shelly's a very important part of uh, my fantasy baseball experience. And, in fact, I named a drop after her, Shelly B's stud of the week of the ever. And that's that's uh, a way back machine there. But Shelly is smart. Shelly applies logic at uh, an incredible rate. And to know her as a person, she's very she's an accountant. So she's very numbers minded. And there are a lot of fantasy analysts are that way and they do a lot of things right. So I like to follow those people. And that's definitely what she is. But she's great. I love Shelly. I love everything she does, even if I disagree with her on something. And I've played with her. So I know how her brain works as far as player evaluation and, or, uh, you know, trades, making trades, that sort of thing. So, yeah, got to give a shout out to Shelly V. Uh, she used to be Shelly S., and it was much easier to say than Verstraight, which is spelled a little bit differently. So and Rudy uh, showed up. Yeah, <laughs> oh Rudy, Rudy's great too. And they're an Orcio, they're puppy. But uh, yeah, anyway, Shelly B. Shelly uh, Verstraight, excellent, excellent follow follower on Twitter and wherever she writes now. Picture list, a couple other places. Yeah, I only knew of her last summer when Picture List did their PitchCon thing, and they had the all female panel, and mm-hmm. uh, I didn't. I, I was still new at that time, anyways. But I was like really impressed by her and. I asked her recently if she'd come on the pod, and yeah, she will be on the pod in the next week or two. So we're looking forward to having her, and I'm glad that you could bring that up so that we could share that information. Perfect. Well, you tell her I sucked up to her, so that way she can uh, (laughs) maybe get a little bit of a a perk this year in the Dynasty League. Mike, you're going to have to pull some uh, drops from Van talking about (laughs) Shelly when Shelly comes on. We'll we'll just play the whole segment of Van just, you know, kissing up to her uh, right before Shelly comes on. Yeah, <laughs> well, like we said, this is all recorded on audio tape. Uh, five statistical tools that you love. You can go pitching, hitting. Is there five tools, data pieces, points of information that you go, I got to have this more than any others? Well, this is a cool question, and I'm going to interpret it this way and say that the real answer to this question is, what are the five categories your league follows? Is it batting average? Is it runs, RBI, home runs, stolen bases? That's it. Those are the five most important things you should care about. Doesn't matter how good his exit velocity was if he didn't actually hit any home runs or or hit for a decent batting average. Those are the five numbers. To look at it a little bit deeper, I'm going to give you a little bit of a a more interesting answer. I'm glad you you brought this up earlier, uh, Deary, 
you were talking about uh, zone swing or contact swing percentage. I look at those a lot because that can paint a picture of how well a guy can control the strike zone. So for example, Z swing percentage as a stat is the percentage of times that a batter swings at a pitch that is in the zone. So they recognize that that pitch is a strike and they swung at it on its own. It's not a flawless statistic because it doesn't tell you how the swing resulted. Maybe it was a swing and miss. Maybe it was a home run, whatever it may be. But you combine all these zone percentage numbers and you can really get a good feel for what a guy does as far as controlling the zone, which then ties into what's his walk rate? Is he a guy who's going to have a good OBP constantly because he's got a good eye? Well, you know, And go from there. So I like to look at those and then... Uh, oh, yeah. And then I wrote HBP, hit by pitch, because that's uh, just kind of fun every now and then. It's not fun. Don't hit people with a baseball. It hurts. <laughs> that's not fun. Uh, yeah, so it's true. In essence. Uh, is there three things that you could care less about when it comes to stats or analytical tools? This was fun, too. I decided to be controversial with this one, just <gasps> to uh, just to rattle. He's not just going to throw infield fly balls in there. No, not at all. I'm going to ruffle some feathers. So keep in mind the name of the shows that I host, because one of the first stats that I find worthless is launch angle and why do i say that uh, yes i'm host of the launch angle podcast why did i say that because <laughs> if i'm a baseball player and i walk up to the dish and i go two for four i had a let's say a, a double line drive double off the wall always going to be a double and i had a towering shot for a home run those are my two hits when i get back to the dish i already know that my launch angle was either too low to hit a home run based on that swing or just right because some line drive swings just aren't home runs. And I already know that I probably could have toned it down on the towering home run. The only thing I care about, care about, about all that is hard contact. I made hard contact on both and I didn't punch it in the ground. So these guys aren't necessarily saying, okay, my launch angle was uh, 15 degrees here. So I need to get it up to about 17. So what I need to do is adjust. No, no, no. The only thing hitters care about, is am I making solid contact? If I am, that means I'm swinging well, I'm seeing everything well, and I already have a good launch angle, so I know what I'm doing. I think it can be used to tweak if you get down to, uh, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Maybe I just need to adjust slightly. You see your launch angle is just a couple degrees too low. Okay, well, maybe I need to aim higher. That's the only thing that it works for. Eric Hosmer. Eric Hosmer, there you go. And, oh boy, the guy pounds it in the ground constantly. Yeah. Uh, and it's a reactionary stat. We can look at the launch angle for what happened and analyze it. We can't say, oh, his launch angle's this degree, so clearly he's going to hit 35 home runs this next year. It just doesn't work that way. It's just worthless as a predictive stat, but it can be useful as an analytical stat. So uh, that was one. Number two, I think I had three on here. Uh, let's see. Exit velocity is number two, and the reason I say that is the same reason I said about launch angle, in essence. Uh, well, and you could have the highest exit velocity of anybody in baseball and have a 110 batting average. It just doesn't tell you enough about a picture. I get it. I get what people are saying. It means hard hit. We already have hard hit statistics, and they work fine, too. So that's one. And then finally, RBI. Uh, RBI is the only stat that is so dependent on the team you're on, other baseball players. You can say the same thing about runs, but if I come up to the dish four times, I can score four runs or I can have 16 RBI. So RBI is so codependent on others. I hate it, but you have to pay attention to it. Wow, that is beautiful, man. That is what I'm talking about. That's the finest answer we have had yet to these <laughs> series of questions. Thank you, Van. That's beautiful commentary from the great 
Banley. This is the Hey, it's Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Two L's, two Z's on Twitter, Palazzo Podcast. Uh, I'm going to ask you a couple more quick questions, and then uh, we'll wrap up the show. I would like to know, what's your preferred format? Do you have a preferred format, or is it whatever? Dynasty. I prefer Dynasty Leagues because it's more fun. You get to know the people. You have a team that you have control of for years. Now, you can spend six years in the, the cellar, and boy, that sucks. But hey, it's your team. You've built it the way you want. So short answer, Dynasty. If I'm thinking redraft leagues, best ball is so much fun because you get to do a draft and forget about it. And yes. everybody loves to draft. So I'm huge on best balls. Changed my life last year. I never even heard of it until last that. year. Yeah. Yeah. That- it's fun. <laughs> It was it's amazing. I I am a best ball guy. What is the difference between best ball and draft and hold? Uh, the difference is best ball takes so many players as best stats for the day. If you have fifteen hitters, and it will take the ten or the nine best performances from day A. But draft and hold, you have draft to put in the hold. Yeah, there it's you have a team and you get their stats for the yeah. season. That's what I thought. I'm I pretty sure. Get- I could be very wrong, but I'm about eighty nine percent sure on that. Feels right. It feels correct. Yes. Uh, is there a least preferred one then? Points leagues. I think points leagues suck. I get it, but there's somewhere along the way, someone could not figure out how to properly uh, attributize points in points leagues. And it's so yep. funky and it values pitching more than traditionally and on and on and on. Stolen bases aren't kind of as valuable. And, and anyway, I just don't like points, points leagues. I used to love them when I first started drafting because I thought that's all there was. And then I played a head to head league. I played a roto league and I was like, Oh, well, I'm just doing this then no more points. Yeah. That's what me and Deary grew up on. We drew on categories leagues, head to head cat leagues. That's those that's are all we ever knew. Those are fun, though. Like I like head-to-head. People get crap for head-to-head all the time. They're like, it's just because you could get in the final week of the season and lose just because they're having a bad week. I don't care. It's fun. And if people enjoy doing it, I love the trash talk aspect of it. I love getting to play Michael Govier one night and, and be like, oh, you suck. Look, my players are better. It's just fun <laughs> to do that. So I will never, ever criticize someone for playing head-to-head over Roto, but it's real trendy to do that. Ooh, trendy. Uh, by the way, Chris Towers said the same thing. He was in support of head-to-head. So we're getting some good feedback on head-to-head, Deary. Doesn't that make you feel good? Oh, I'm so excited. We can have two fantastic guests on, like Chris and Van, and they still love head-to-head. And, uh, I mean, obviously, I love head-to-head. But, you know, I still haven't played in the best ball league. So uh, I think this is the year it's happening. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. 20 bucks, get in a league. It's fun. You can win a little yeah. money. Yeah. Strongly recommend it. Maybe, oh. Deary, what we should do is start the Palazzo, like, head-to-head league for like analysts and stuff and like re give us some life that'd be, well, that'd be great i mean we were in the uh we were in a roto league last year uh ran by marty tallman and that was a lot of fun i finished second in that but uh obviously a lot of people brag. kind of dropped out of that as well because it was it was roto and not everybody really uh paid attention to it so i think that's a great idea mike let's that get the humble brag that was uh, Towers, Chris Towers, by the way, smart guy. I like Chris Towers. We get along fairly well. But I guarantee he said, if you would have asked him the question, he would have said sequels. Uh, he He's that old school thought of George are bad. So that's it. They don't care about anything else about the Star Wars prequels. We talked Star Wars with him. Um, did, you, we talk, did you ask him that question, Mike? I thought uh, I don't know if I asked him that exact question. I did. We did talk about those. And he did say, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, my God. Oh no! He, t- he talked lot. about how much he hate. He-, he talked about how he didn't like the sequels. And- yeah, oh, okay. I, I didn't know his thoughts on that. I just know his negative thoughts on the. Prequels. We, we just didn't get his thoughts on the prequels. We don't know where he is on the prequels, but he was very just. Dis- he thought that the Mandalorian saved Star Wars. That's what he's huge on the Mandalorian because the trilogy of the most recent 
you know, era was not I that think great. Fair this is the last thing I'll say because I'll stop talking about Star Wars. But I think that's fair. But I think a lot of people are overrating the Mandalorian. They're thinking like this is suddenly oh. the the greatest oh. art spectacle we've ever seen. It's not. It's a dumb action show, and it's set in a dumb action universe. Marvel movies do this. Marvel movies know that. They don't try to make Gone with the Wind. They try to make a fun action movie. And that's what Star Wars has gotten away from. And they got back to it with Mandalorian. Yeah, finally. I mean, you've said everything wrong until this point. And finally, you got something right, Van. Thank you. I find Thank your you, belief Steve. system fascinating. Oh, I do. <laughs> yes, that's a good one. Uh, quickly, uh, does it matter then, uh, Sleeper or Breakout? Is that the same thing to you? I mean, I could argue a difference, but it's it's vernacular. No one cares. It's mostly right, just essentially the words. That's all it is. Yeah, it's the same thing, really. But you see the benefit of K percentage over K9 now, correct? Okay, I do. I, I see the benefit. Here's the problem. I brought this up on the launch angle in a big lengthy uh, diatribe a week or two ago. We as fantasy analysts have to cater to an audience. So we have to decide, are we catering towards you and I? who know that K percentage and walk percentage are better as uh, analytical tools than walks per nine or K per nine, like we've seen in the past, or do we need to cater to the 95% of our audience that by the time September and football starts, they quit playing fantasy baseball. Those are the people that play the game. They'll listen to shows. They'll enjoy it, but they don't live and breathe it like some of us do. So, I think we have to toe a fine line of being able to communicate well with our audience and communicate the right things to our audience. So walk percent and K percent is the right thing, but are we at a point where our audience is ready for that? uh, I guess that change because so many guys and, and look, I love picture list. I love Nick over there. He's an awesome guy. He's been on my show a lot before. I, I can't do most of Pitcher List's stuff because it's it's going too far on the other edge of that. They are taking a hard look at something that is minute and won't change anything. They're coming up with awesome, cool stats and cool things. And we're learning this from it, but it ultimately isn't going to change the way things are looked at. And not necessarily just from a no one's going to adopt it, but from a it's just too deep. And I think there's a niche for those guys. I think they are running that niche and they're doing a kick-ass job. And I, I hope you all go subscribe to Pitcher List and, and pay them the money they deserve. But that is a very deep dive thing, whereas a majority of everyone wants a little bit of casual stuff. So that's ultimately what I'm looking at. K per nine and walk percentage, whatever. The transition here isn't that big of a deal, so I don't think this is... Uh, going to hurt anything but i think there is a point where if we're like you know saying the next great trendy stat and talking about it our listeners are going to tune out because they don't have a clue what the hell it means or how to apply it to baseball so that's my fear are we becoming too specified or is this just the natural progression of the game so uh look at the audience see how they're reacting and then adapt to that i guess is what i'd say i find your lack of faith disturbing (laughs) hmm I think about this a lot, Van, especially trying to do a new show and learn and listen and don't think I know everything. And me and Deary, we, we want to help people understand the basics. So we, we don't want to go over, over people's heads. So I appreciate you saying that, and I respect your position on that. I don't want to think that I know more than people. I, I like to – I had this idea when we first started to be a lot more – um, explicit about 
each of these analytical tools, if it was simple stuff like hard hit rate or exit velocity and things that you don't even like, but like things that are part of the stat cast era that people aren't understanding and may even prevent people from getting involved in the game because they don't want to feel stupid because they don't understand it. So if we can just talk about it openly and not assume that everyone listening already knows what they're talking about, that is a positive. So I think I'm in complete agreement with you. And maybe we should do a better job ourselves, Deary, of doing that. Well, I think you got to find a good mix, right? Mm-hmm. You got to find a good mix of, of getting a lot of those new age stats, which are super cool and really, really helpful. Um, but yeah, you don't want to confuse people too much. And you kind of want to go back to still having some of those five by five cats that everybody's playing in. Because I mean, who's playing with hard hit rates in their leagues? Who's playing with, you know, if, if you play a K per nine, you probably don't play, you know, K percentage. So you got to cater to what everybody is playing. Um, but it's also fun to, to add a lot of those stat cast numbers in there, um, but not doing it just to make yourself sound smart. Well, let me say this. I'll say two things. Uh, number one, there was a report released maybe a month ago, and I forget who said it. Maybe Scott White at CBS. Uh, some uh, ungodly percentage of fantasy baseball players play 12-team leagues. Like It's it's an absurd percentage, and yet yeah. everyone in the industry, industry talks about 15-team leagues. That's how we all base our analysis. Why are we doing that? Why are we ostracizing a vast majority of our, our listenership? when we shouldn't. Well, part of it is because a huge chunk of that listenership, they don't listen. They're not going to listen to a fantasy baseball podcast. We're already advanced past to the point that they even care to listen. So there's a little bit of that, but yeah, again, you guys have said it all right. Toe the line. Uh, and then the second thing, I don't remember what it was. So uh, we'll talk about something else. <laughs> I find your belief system fascinating. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, you know, Van, we appreciate you having on the show, man. This is, uh, you know, we've had a lot of jokes, you know, we've said some things and, you know, it was fun to laugh, but all kidding aside, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. You have a lot of fantasy knowledge to share. Do you see yourself or do you let people pigeonhole you as a host? Are you a fantasy baseball player first and foremost? I'm actually really glad you asked that because uh, I think... I made a decision a while back that I wanted to do both, but I wanted to keep that life very separate from one another. So if I accrued some jobs or whatever it may be where I could be the host, I would do it and I would do it the best of my abilities. But I always want to be analysis because, an analyst because I'm analyzing and playing the game. So, And it just kind of rolled out that way. The Launch Angle Show, when I was asked to host it, uh, the first thing that they said to me was, uh, you can't do that nonsense you do on your other shows. Because <laughs> the, night pri- the, the night prior, I'd released a show where we were talking about you, Darvish, who had just done a nude spread in some magazine. And we were like, yeah, Darvish is a good looking dude. I mean, this is fine. You know, blah, blah, blah. Just chatting about it. Like, you can't do that. You've got it. So I had to put my series hat on. And then being <laughs> alongside Rob Silver and Jeff Zimmerman, who are better than me in their respective fields, of course, it makes it easy. All I have to do is try and tie it all together. And Jeff is not a radio guy, so he's uh, a little harder to wrangle in that regard. But that's what my job is. Rob, on the other hand, worked in TV, so I didn't have to do anything with him. But uh, Canadian, by the way, which is my Canadian. girlfriend's Canadian. So I'm a big Aww. fan of that. We'll get her a big old bowl of maple syrup for me. Bye, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would have said bye, Felicia, to those people who said, I can't be who I want to be. But I understand. <laughs> 
you're, you can play many hats. You can wear many hats and play many different roles, Van. I'm not. But uh, that said, I have no qualms admitting that I am not valued amongst the community as an analyst to the degree that a lot of analysts are. And that's okay. And part of the reason is, is that I don't, I don't, I don't play the games. I do not like to play suck up. And there's a lot of that that goes on. And there's a couple of guys who, if they didn't have their 10 people underneath them sucking up to them, they would just leave the industry. And I don't do that. I, and I, I will debate with you and I've done it tons of times. Uh, in fact, I'll, I'll, I'll pull a name out of my hat. Uh, oh, if I can remember his name, Dolph Haldhagen. What's his name? Oh, Alex Chamberlain. Alex Chamberlain. Alex Chamberlain's super smart. Love the guy. I pissed him off. I guarantee I made him so mad the last time he's on the nasty cast because he, he would say one thing and then backtrack it and say something. And that's fine. I don't care if you do that, but I'm going to call you out on it. And I called him out on it. And he literally said to me in the show, he goes, you know what? You're right. I don't have a conviction for that. I'm going to do that. So he even admitted what I, I was kind of pushing towards. <laughs> wow. He off of me. I have, he doesn't really talk to me anymore and that's fine. Oh. And I don't know that that even correlates, but that's how the story went in, in, in my mind, but he's a smart dude and he's a great follow and he comes up with some awesome stuff, but he'll be on the show next week. Too, about by the way. <laughs> Oh, great. Awesome. No, he's an awesome guest. He's a great guy. Still come on, Alex. Still come on. I know Van's a douchebag. Come on. <laughs> exactly. You can you can talk about how big of a douchebag I am. So but Alex, we had, Van, and I'm we okay had Van on last week, and we just really didn't like how he was pushing our buttons left and yeah. right. <laughs> no, people don't. People sometimes, like if I come on a show and I disagree with someone, I will, I'll say I disagree. And I'm animated, as you can tell. So some people take that the wrong way. I'm a teddy bear. I'm the sweetest guy out there. I'm I'm a hippie, as we've said. And yeah, I like to argue. People hate that. People want to say their point of view and move on to the next topic, and I can't stand it. Well, you were very cordial to us today, Van. So we appreciate that here at the Palazzo Podcast. You haven't enraged me quite yet. Van, you're a kind of guy who's going to say what's on his mind, but you have a heart of gold. And Aww. that's why we welcome you on the show anytime. If you ever want to come back on and you want to talk baseball with us or you want to talk about hell, I don't know, uh Star Wars. You know, Star Wars uh, again. Yeah. That's Star Wars. Wrong. Right? Wrong. I I'm fine with Star Trek. I just don't know anything about it. I know. I'm just uh, I'm fucking with you. I admit it freely. But uh, you know, as we close the show here, play a little heart of gold for Van and we would like everyone to know that we really appreciate his honesty, your forthrightness and your ability to steer clear of the bullshit. And that's why I like you, and I think that's why uh, we get along. And I think this is the it's the beginning of a healthy friendship here. I, I, I would call us friends, even though we'd never seen each other in real life. But me and Deary welcome you as friends to the Plaza Pod anytime. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Being sent out with Neil Young is one of the, the greatest accolades a human being can have. Uh, you guys put out some some good stuff. You guys do some good work. And I was really impressed when you got in touch with me last year, I guess, when you guys started it and just had some questions and I'm always willing to help. So if you're out there and you're wanting to start a podcast, hit me up. I'll help you out. I've been doing this forever and I, I've, I'm not saying I know all of it, but I know some things that can make your life easier. He's not kidding. He really did. He didn't know who I was. What do they say? He didn't know me from Adam. And uh, I only met him because he was in this stupid show league that I got involved in that I hated. Hated but, it. Uh, hated I, Giants. Come on. I hate it. I suck because I suck. That's why I hated it. But uh, Van like told me things about podcasting, and I was immediately thoroughly impressed by his golden voice. I'm like, holy shit, this guy's in podcasting. He sounds like like when people are doing those uh, host um, polls on Twitter and like who's the best host. 
you have the best voice. You really do. And I'm not here to say, hey, why don't you tell me how great my voice is? I'm not doing that. When I first heard Van's voice on the first time I ever heard it, whether it was the Nasty Cast or the Launch Angle Pod, I was like, wow, who the hell is this guy? He's special. And I want to know that. I want to be a part of whatever he's got going on. So that's why we're here. That's why we're talking. I love doing the show. And I love meeting people like you, Van. That's why we did the show in the first place, so that we could talk about baseball and meet cool people. Two for two today. How about that? Perfect. Love it. So, uh, real quick, tell people where you're at and all that bullshit. So, oh, yeah, just in yeah, case yeah. they don't know, you know. I'm so used to not being the guest. I, I, because I host <laughs> so many shows. My guest appearances are always a small fraction of what I do. Uh, you can find me, of course, at the Launch Angle Podcast with Jeff Zimmerman and Rob Silver's on hiatus, but we've had some great guests. In fact, no, I'm not going to say it because I don't know if it'll happen. But we have a very special guest potentially happening uh, this Monday when we record. You can also find the Nasty Cast and the Dynasty Baseball Show. We haven't talked a whole lot about that. Uh, we are starting both up for the year. They're available on all of your podcast feeds. Had a little bit of trouble, but both new shows should be up this weekend and we're back to normal. And uh, that's about it. I'm uh, taking it a bit easier this year, so we'll see where we end up. But lots of great stuff down the pipeline, and I'm excited for a good season. Hell yeah. Thank you, Van, so much. Next week, we're going to have Kyle Goings on from Pitcher Digs, the whole new stat thing he's got going on. We're going to have on a couple more guests like Alex Chamberlain and more. So stay tuned for next week. We'll have a lot more fun for you guys here on the Hey, it's Enrico Plazo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Don't forget, Plazo Podcast on Twitter, two L's, two Z's. I'm uh, MJ Govier if you want to ask me independent questions, but we prefer that you send questions about your fantasy leagues and your drafts that are upcoming to the Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com or DMing us on our Palazzo Podcast Twitter handle. Deary, what about you? What's uh, going on in your Twitter handle? Yeah, CDeary99. This Sunday, I'll be dropping my first base rankings for 2021, so uh, stay tuned. Wow, look at you. So professional. I'm fucking impressed. That's really cool. All right, cool. Uh, Rotofanatic.com, of course. You can check out our Data Monster. Uh, That's a new toy. Uh, Van, if you ever have a chance, you want to check it out and tell me if it sucks or not, let us know. I don't think I've seen that one yet, but you guys have have done some cool stuff. I love your Park Factors uh, stuff. That was always really, really good stuff to keep an eye on and uh, really analyze. Crosby Spencer, responsible for those outstanding. I will tell you, Paul Mamino is kind of the brains behind the data monster. Paul Mamino at P. Mamino Fantasy. This guy is very, very noble, reasonable, down to earth, and smart as a whip. Check out the data monster. Give us your feedback. We're making improvements. We added historical data just this last week, so there's more options coming. And we thank everyone for listening to the Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We'll catch you next time. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.